The wrestling world has lost an icon. Bruno San Martino died, aged 82, on the 18th of April. Before we start today's show, the WNR podcast pays tribute to the man, the myth, the legend. This is for you, Bruno. Coming down the aisle from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was completely dedicated to wrestling. He wanted to be the best. San Martino was my father's favorite performer, was his father's favorite performer. Just a hero to so many people. He, he was a god. People loved him. All on your love I stand. He was the godfather of WWE. Because of who you are, I know who I am. In order to be on top, you have to be a winner. You have to be a top man. Theme music for Bruno San Martino was 21,000 people all chanting, Bruno, Bruno. Bruno San Martino sold out Madison Square Garden 187 times. Basically, the house that Bruno built, Madison Square Garden. You call me to be The winner and still a world heavyweight wrestling champion. He held the championship for over seven years. Bruno's a legend. No hide, no doubt, no fear can shake me. The most popular champion in wrestling history. Greatest champion we've ever seen. You will be my light through the darkest night. I can remember going to the magazine rack and Bruno San Martino was all over back at old photos with every celebrity, every sports star. He's standing there with his family having a private audience with the Pope. Because of who you are, I know who I am. Everybody in the world knew who Bruno San Martino was. Greatest champion and box office attraction in the history of sports entertainment. Bruno lived an extraordinary life. From war-torn Italy, hiding from Nazis, to make it into the U.S. and turn himself into this larger-than-life superhero. I think Rudolph epitomized the American dream. Welcome home. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the great Bruno Sammartino. He's 77 years old. All these people are changing my dad's name. That's pretty cool. 
I want all the fans, whether in this country or around the world, that whatever success I've had, I owe it all to you. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you and God bless all of you. So, yeah, that was a special tribute that WWE did, and also on the WWE Network, the night, well, right after Monday Night Raw, they had the Bruno special, which was April 23rd, 2018, the witnessing the life and career of the most celebrated athlete in Madison Square Garden history. And we just took, you know, we, we tweeted, the WWE Podcast tweeted about Bruno Sammartino and say no one will ever hold the title for seven years like he did. Uh, and people say, oh, no, he held it for eight years. It's like, well, hold it for seven years first, and then he might have a challenge. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Until that moment comes. You know, Lesnar's year, great. San Martino did it for eight, and he held it on again, you know, and just the impact of this guy. So we've got nine really interesting facts about Bruno San Martino we just want to say before we start with our show. Well, Bruno Sammartino was the longest reigning WWE champion in history and an unmatched box office attraction, an inspiration to a generation of kids who grew up admiring the Italian Superman. And there's a chance you might have no idea who he was. So don't feel bad if you're not familiar with Bruno. John F. Kennedy was in office when Sammartino won his first WWE title. Disco music was still on the radio when he wrestled his last match. But that doesn't mean you can't learn a thing or two about one of the most integral pieces in the WWE puzzle. So Bruno Sammartino spent much of his childhood hiding from the Nazis. Nine. Much has been written about Bruno's staggering list of achievements as an adult. However, the story of his childhood is truly the most unbelievable part of his fascinating life. During Sammartino's youth in Piso Ferrato, Italy, his small village was seized by Adolf Hitler's Nazi forces causing Bruno's mother to flee with her seven children to a mountain called Villa Rocca in order to stay alive. At the time, San Martino's father had already immigrated to America, so his mother was forced to protect her children. During this difficult period, four of Bruno's siblings died as the family spent weeks eating almost nothing but the snow on the ground. Once, San Martino and his family were even lined up in front of a Nazi firing squad, seconds from death before they were rescued at the last moment. Yes, that's quite incredible, isn't it? And miraculously, Bruno survived Hitler's reign of terror and a near-fatal case of scarlet fever before arriving in the United States in 1950, an unspeakably traumatic childhood which no doubt to succeed in America. Well, Bruno San Martino sold out Madison Square Garden 188 times. So, sorry, so anybody listening, that how many times is that? <laughs> That is 188 times. <laughs> yeah, quite incredible. In the industries of sports entertainment, there's an unwritten rule that states you haven't made it until you've played the garden. While performing in New York City, Madison Square Garden is an achievement in its own right. The world's most famous arena is another matter entirely. And Bruno Sammartino is the only man to do it an untouchable 188 times during his career. He sold out Madison Square Garden. During Bruno's tenure with WWE, though much of the <coughs> during Bruno's tenure with the WWE, through much of the 1960s and 70s, Bruno headlined a total of 211 events at the famed Manhattan Arena. In those days, WWE ran shows at the Garden every month, meaning close to 20,000 fans lined up at the ticket booth every four weeks for their chance to see the mighty Italian. 
dastardly opponents like the fearsome Toro Tanaka and the depraved original Sheik fell before Bruno in front of capacity crowds, earning MSG yet another nickname, the How That Bruno Built. Now, Bruno's induction into the Hall of Fame in 2014 brought Semitino sellouts at the guard to a staggering total of 188 times. Bruno San Martino held the WWE title for 2,803 consecutive days. Well, the Italian hero's unfathomable 2,803 days as WWE champion began on May 17th, 1963, where he defoned Nature Boy, but heard of 48 seconds. For the next seven years and eight months... Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> Take out that bit I said at the start, I was right. For the next seven years and eight months, Bruno defended the sports entertainment's richest prize all over the world against serious challenges like Gorilla Monsoon, Killer Kowalski, and of course, Big Cat Ernie Ladd. The Russian bear, Ivan Kolov, shocked the wrestling world when he toppled San Martino off his throne in Madison Square Garden on January the 18th, one. Do you know Bruno was the first ever two-time, two-time WWE champion? Well, three years after his stunning defeat, Bruno won the WWE title for a second time, defeating Stan Sazak. Bruno became the first ever two-time WWE champion. Bruno once again proved to be the premier competitor in sports entertainment. And unfortunately, his second reign wasn't as great as his first because he only held it on for 1,237 days. Oh, that's a bit bit (laughs) terrible, isn't it? Uh, Although he lost the title to superstar Billy Graham in in 1977, San Martino's culminative time as W champion across only two reigns stands at a staggering 4,040 days. Nowadays, it seems like the title just changes hands every 10 minutes compared to that. Well, Bruno San Martino was more than just a regional attraction. Yeah, well, back in the days when wrestling was territorial in scope, competitors tended to find their fame in a specific region of the country. As WWE champion, Bruno San Martino became a household name in northeastern cities like New York, Boston and Philadelphia. Philly! But the Italian superstar was one of the first superstars following all around the world. Besides competing in major domestic markets, major domestic markets, like St. Louis, Los Angeles and Chicago. That's a Chicago way. <laughs> We're not taking it seriously, are we? San Martino became an in-demand attraction in Canada, Australia and Japan, where he routinely tangled with the beloved giant barber. The living legend's home was always in New York City, Madison Square Garden. But there's no Dan Martino was WWE's first global entity. People buying about Roman Reigns or John Cena. Well, Bruno San Martino was a good guy for his entire career. During the two decades that Bruno San Martino reigned atop the sports entertainment world, the Italian superstar never once strayed from the path of righteousness. Bruno continually received the love, respect and adoration of WWE fans, young and old. A support system he relied on when he stepped into the ring against villains like Virgil the Kentucky Butcher. <laughs> they don't use names like that anymore, do they? They really don't. Well, when the straightforward Bruno talked about facing an opponent, people hung on his every word. They steadfastly believed in San Martino for always being honest with his faults and felt that he was one of them. It did not matter about race, creed or whatever. His fan following was incredible and it went a long way cementing his status as a living legend. No other wrestling hero has been as unwavering as Bruno. Not Hulk Hogan, not Bret Hart, not John Cena. And not that's saying something. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, it had been said that San Martino could have chosen to compete in the Olympics and officially become recognised as the world's record holder, if he wanted to. In an era with no seven-figure sponsorships for Olympic athletes, though Bruno decided to put his strongman skills to work by pursuing a wrestling career, he made the right choice. He certainly did. And finally... Finally! Bruno Sammartino was a namesake of singer Bruno Mars. Though Bruno San Martino's name is forever etched in WWE history, the living legend wasn't exactly a pop culture sensation after his retirement from active competition in 1981. However, his name has been introduced to a new generation for an unlikely source, pop star Bruno Mars. Well, Mars, whose real name is Peter Hernandez, I was a surprise he changed that, isn't it, really? Uh, explained in several interviews that his stage name came from his father, who was a big fan of San Martino. The Grammy Award winning singer was a little pudgy as a baby, and his dad saw some resemblance between son and Bruno. That said, Mars may have forgotten what San Martino looks like. In those interviews, he described Bruno as a big and fat. We can guarantee that anyone who is familiar with the best-conditioned athlete of his era would use anything but those two words. And also about Bruno San Martino's funeral as well. WWE Chairman and CEO Vince Mann attended the funeral on Monday in Ross Township, Pennsylvania. San Martino had been hospitalised for two months prior to his death. Uh, the reason we featured him on this, in one reason we looked at him, is like we talked about there is only one original one. You know what I mean? There's only one kind of icon that kind of started this whole thing. You look at a John Cena, you look at Roman Reigns, you look at Hulk Hogan, it would never have happened if it wasn't for Bruno Sammartino and that success. Because the guys might have gone on to other wrestling companies, but it was Sammartino's you know, and Vincent Mann Sr.'s relationship that kind of kept the WWF when it first started in business throughout those times and selling out, uh, like I said, the New York area and the Boston area. And just to, that's why he was champion for so long, because the fans wanted to see him, you know. And it's incredible to think, and it is a shame, but I, I think it's definitely a win for Bruno Sammartino. You look at his career, he managed to sort out his problems that he had with WWE towards the end, you know, ducked into the Hall of Fame, rightly so. So, yeah, you know, I think big bucket of win. But, Dan, final thoughts on Bruno? No, I'm, I'm going to go and have a look back through some of his great matches. It's, you know, I just want to see what the living legend Bruno Sammartino was all about, because... I haven't, you know, paid too much attention to what he's done, you know, because and he he's definitely done a lot because he's paved the way for a lot of the big wrestlers and the big superstars nowadays. Yeah, no, most definitely. If people do want to go that, uh, they've updated in WWE collections now the Bruno San Martino, the legend lives. And, of course, you can see all the programs that they've got on there, like the Bruno special they had, and also... Legends with JBL. Yeah, Legends with JBL. Um, oh, the... the Table for free with Randy Orton in it and Ric Flair, of course. That's not free legends, yeah. Uh, and, and lots of stuff, and, and like you say, a lot of matches as well. Waldo von Eric, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, George, George the Animal, still is that George Animal? Who loves that? Ivan Koloff, Island Koloff in a steel cage, big cat, Ernie Lad, yeah, big cat, uh, and of course, with interviews with, of course, Bruno Sammartino as well. Uh, so you know, just an absolute legend, but we do start. The normal show now, and we will start with the intro. My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, 
Not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT TakeOver, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it is the WNR 155 today, WWE versus WCW, April 1998. Before we get on to anything else, it's time for my alternate intro. I am Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Greyskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Say hello, Cringer. <laughs> Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said... By the, the power, power of Grayskull, I have the power. Cringer became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. In 1998, WWE and WCW were locked in a ratings war. Their shows Raw and Nitro went head-to-head on Mondays. The WNR podcast go back 20 years right in the middle of the battle. We've followed the war since the inception of Nitro but now with the Attitude Era getting going and WCW at its peak, it's a perfect time to follow it month to month. This is WWE versus WCW, the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, so let's begin April 1998 and we've got a five-point system. We've got a roster. Rating. Promo. Match. Setting. And the overall, and we work it out. I mean, last episode was just so close to see what this month's is. And we're going to start off with Nitro. One, three, four... April 6th. And we start with an ambulance arriving to the arena. Yes, Macho is down with Liz looking on and we've got no idea what's going on. Well, concerned paramedics. That sounds like a band to me. <laughs> well, Tony, Mike and Harry say they haven't got a clue uh, what's going out on outside and there's a neck brace Macho Man. Yes, and Tony is now doing his serious voice. Yes, and uh, we're in Miami. And it is El Dandy, La Parker and Psychosis. Yeah, and they're going against... Oh, Dan, why don't you do this? Magnum Tokyo... Judo Swa and Shima Nabunga. Well, a bit of a mess, really, but you got there. Uh, no, but enjoyable match. You know, six-man tag matches as they are. And we've got La Parker in there, of course, with... Uh, I do believe that's Magnum Tokyo, but do uh, I do apologise if I get any name wrongs. And it's wrong, I got that wrong. So Shima Nabunga. And now here comes Psychosis. <laughs> oh, and accidentally delivers a low blow to La Parker. <laughs> But this is, again, just completely different. We don't see this kind of action, I would say, on Monday Night Raw as we start the month off. We're in Miami. The crowd looks uh, excited, I would say. It looks quite a big arena. Charles Robinson in there trying to sort this out. 
And there we go. Springboard back in. Springboard Hurricane Rana. Oh, um, Mag that was Magnum Tycho. That was Magnum Tycho. Oh, my God. And now comes Nagamaga in with El Dandy. Nice nip up and leap from. El Dandy looks like a porn star. El Dandy looks like a Mexican wrestler. We were saying this a couple of months ago. Now La Parker in. Oh, but La Parker hits nothing. And this is Souza. Throws La Parker out there. A bit kamikaze. And he gets thrown out as well. And now Dandy's going to go flying. Suicide dive. <laughs> Sends Sua into the barricade. Oh. And Toko taking Dandy down. <laughs> oh, and a seated moonsault. Takes, split-legged moonsault takes everyone down. Also, Nobu there, high risk with a spinning heel kick. Tried to springboard, got stopped. And now Psychosis there. Going up top. <laughs> Massive leg drop. One, two, three. So Psychosis gets with But I think it's a great way to start. It shows that you've got a different roster. You've got these guys, even though you've got the quintessential Mexican wrestler there. And we saw on Raw last, I mean, last episode with... Um, Oh, people. But oh. Parker with the steel chair to psychosis. Well, that might be for a low blow. He gave him a low blow, and he's explaining to El Dandy that he got given a low blow, and that's his payback for that. But I think that's quite fun and enjoyable, though, isn't it? That was, yes. Certainly a different aspect to it. Well, we're shown outside, and they still haven't put on the net brace. And then we go to the opening titles, followed by Fireworks. Yeah, and our next match, it's time, and he's going against Booker T. Indeed, yes, and it is the TV title on the line. And Booker got a better reaction, and this crowd might be a good one. Yes, T starts quickly, backdrop, chops, clothesline, back kick, and then Disco gets hip-tossed over. Yeah, but D manages to hang up T, and then gets a net breaker, but, but he you can't, can't keep, keep Booker, Booker down. down. Well, at Spring Stampede, it's Booker versus Benoit. And now Booker goes through the moon. Kick, scissor kick, spine buster, missile drop kick for the win. And then we get Nitro Girls. The commentators hope we have an update on Macho and the NWO struggles. Yeah. We are shown a video of Macho v. Hogan with Nash and problems within the group. So basically everything that's been going on these past couple of months. Not badly put together by WCW, but again, it just shows how many enemies Hogan actually has. And Hogan fears Dave as well, apparently. That's sign in the crowd. Yes, Hogan does fear Dave. Then we go on to our next match, which is Lenny Lane versus Billy Kidman. And the crowd was really not into this no, match. No, they weren't. Lane hit a corkscrew body attack, but, but Kidman fought back with a set-out powerbomb. And a seven-year itch, a.k.a. the shooting star press, for the win. And Mean Gene out with a WWE hotline plug, and he introduces JJ for an update. JJ has no idea what's going on. Macho is on the ground, and it looked bad. <laughs> yeah. How can you say that as an executive and the guy in charge? Oh, yeah, I got no. He just looked. It looked really bad. Well done, JJ. Well, when asked if the Spring Stampede main event would go ahead between Macho and Sting, he says, "Let's not look. Let's not look too far ahead, you know, because." Backstage, they have no idea what they're doing, and it makes JJ look like an idiot, and that's why he gets booed because they make these stupid decisions. So Macho's taking fifteen minutes, you know, to get a neck brace on him, and yet the, the pay per view main event in two weeks' time might be fine. It's just it annoys me to fuck watching it. And the next match is 
James's favourite, Conan versus Smiley Smiley Norman Smiley. Yeah, the useless Conan, I think I'm going to call him that. We've got the glorious Bobby Roode, we've got the useless Conan. And, and Vince... we've got the Smiley Norman. Exactly, and Vincent is out with Conan. The crowd has switched off, and so have High. Well, Tony tells us tonight is going to be the world title on the line, and it is going to be Sting versus Kevin Nash. Well, go on. The match ends with a tequila sunrise time. Conan dropped Norman on his head. What a fucking twat. And Macho has been stretched out. Finally, we get some more Nitro Girls. And then we get an on-the-road report. But up next is the US title match, and we're showing clips of last week and Raven being chased. Yeah, and it's Buff Bagwell. Guess what he's doing, Dan? Is he posing? He is posing indeed, and now it is Paige. So here comes DDP, and he's one of the kind of shining lights of WCW like we've seen this past couple of years you know the kind of true WCW baby face you know fights his ground he's got one up on the NWO Nash Hall uh, Randy Savage who he feuded with and now with the US title he's one of those that I kind of really like but I don't know if they're using him correctly I like the feud with Raven but it's like it's to focus on something different. If they're focused on the NWA storyline, focus on the NWA storyline, focus on other people. But here we go already, and Buff takes him down, and Buff's the stuff, and he gets taken down with a shoulder block there. Calling the referee over, complaining about something. Paige's got the arm of Buff. He's ramming his shoulder into Buff Bagwell's twisted shoulder. Goes for the side headlock. Bagwell's trying to fight out. And this is the end of the first hour of uh, Nitro, so Raw's just about to start. Over on the USA Network, but over here, Paige has got up. And Buff is posing, and he gets taken down. Go on, hit with a diamond cutter. Buff versus the Irish whip. Hip toss attempt, block low. Swinging net breaker there from Paige. Looking for the diamond cutter, but Buff backs up into the corner. Oh. Hits Paige with a low blow, and the referee looking right at it <laughs> didn't see a thing. Come on now. I'm going to add officiating to the five points soon. Terrible. This is awful. Buff hangs him up on a tough t- top turnbuckle, even. Page ducks one close on attempt, but gets caught with a second one, and Buff is posing. <sighs> Anybody, well, people listening at home, take a drink every time we say Buff is posing. You'll be pissed by the end of the match. <laughs> you will. Go for the pin, but Page kicks out. Uh-huh. And every time we do that, Tony telling us, please don't switch over to Raw, because tonight we've got Nash versus Sting. Again, a pay-per-view level match. Given away on Nitro, isn't it, you know? Most definitely, yeah. Well, I don't think they've ever met one-on-one and instead of making it a pay-per-view event, it's obviously might not have long-term plans with Sting because you think Sting might have a successful title event against Macho Man. But anyway, back to this one. And Buff is just wearing down Paige with a sleeper. Paige catches Buff. Oh, goes for the powerbomb, but Buff blocks it. And a shit net breaker. Oh, Paige just managing to kick out. Oh. Buff pushing the referee. Buff gets caught with roll up. Oh, Buff manages to kick out. Ah. Now Paige with a combination. It's the inverted atomic drop. Now the clothesline. Plants Buff face first into the mat. Signals for the diamond car. Now this is going to be the end for Buff. And we can hear Raven's voice. What about Raven? And look at Raven. Got the US title that belongs to Paige. Paige is going through the crowd. He's just completely forgotten about Buff. And Paige gets distracted by Raven and mind games by Raven. And you got to feel that... Buff is posing. Buff is posing, everybody. you got to feel Raven's got into Paige's head ahead of their US title match, a spring stampede. No, Buff wins by count. Title doesn't change hands on count-out. 
Paige waited too long for Buff to turn around, so he just drags him around and gives him a diamond cutter. Posed at you, twat. <laughs> Moving on. We're into the second hour. Woo, and we get some fireworks. Well, the commentators say the same thing they have all hour, but we have a little bit more footage from outside. Oh, so now they're competing against Raw. They've got some more footage of what happened, eh? So they did know something happened, and it is a red Dodge Viper speeding off. Yeah, and Vincent says this is NWA business to the camera. And then, well... The disciple grabs Liz and says he ain't Macho. Yeah, so Macho down. Can it be them? We just don't know. But we've got the NWA music. Hogan comes out with Kurt, Rude, Buff, Steinart, Norton, Adams, and the Disciple. Well, Hogan sets the record straight. Hogan's here. He said Nash is like a brother, and they will win at the pay-per-view. Nash will win the world title for the family, and it's going to be for life. There's no power struggle. So Sting and Macho buried here, and they are fighting for the world title. It's definitely the Hogan show around here, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like... It's just terrible. Um, up next is Van Hammer versus... Well, I'm not going to tell you who the opponent is, but Dan, he's 68 and 0. I don't know if you can guess. Norman Smiley. <laughs> not into the fits. cat. Ernie the Cat Miller. <laughs> but the start of the hour strong, you know. They've got Hogan out here, of course, again. And now it's Bill Goldberg. And here comes Van Hammer. And you would imagine Goldberg just pulling out that nipple ring. It's probably our favourite time of night, Joe, because the music's hit. Dan's pricked to attention. Hammer pushes Goldberg. I don't think that was wise because Goldberg's smirking. Yeah, Dan, he's not smirking. He's actually a finely tuned athlete. But Van Hammer is bigger than Goldberg, so I think the size advantage here, we don't know about the speed of Goldberg either. We know he's intense, but once you get past that... He might be in caravans. He might be in houses. We've, we've seen people come close to throwing Goldberg off the scent with him regal and people like this. Maybe Van Hammer's got a different strategy. Trying to hip-toss Goldberg. Oh, no, but Goldberg with a fireman's carry slam takes Van Hammer to the mat. But Van Hammer, to his credit, straight back up. Well, then Goldberg's <laughs> on him and he's straight back down. Uh-oh. Goldberg looks so cool and calm. I mean, he usually looks so intense, but like I said he might finally just feel at peace in the ring. Oh, a jawbreaker from, from Van Hammer, though. He's got the big man up. Oh, Ooh. that was like a spine buster type slam there. Rattle Goldberg and Van Hammer, instead of taking advantage... Oh, he's going to the top. Turns round, but gets caught with a spear off the top. And that, unfortunately, is the beginning of the end for Van Hammer. Why? Because what happens next? Well, he jacks him up. Yep. And Van Hammers him down. Hey! One, two, three. My word. Mr. Intensity, Bill Goldberg... And sat and wanted a piece of him last week. He's got one of the flock members down now. The rest of the Ravens flock are surrounding Goldberg at ringside. He don't care. And he just walks away in victory. Wow. Bill Goldberg, everybody. The most exciting three minutes you can get. I'm overestimating, so it's less than three minutes. Up next, we get Nitro Girls. And they, woo, dancing away. And Bobby Heenan, but he's not dancing. No, no, no. Mean Gene in the ring, he's not dancing. He's waiting for Piper and Piper's promo. Well, he gets a cheap pop in Miami. And he names drop Gold Dust and he says he's beaten with a bat and he'll do the same to the NWO. Piper says he's coming for him. There's only room for one of them. And after he's done, Piper says he's coming for them. And there's only room for one of them. And after he's done with him, 
All he was able to do is a RuPaul. Well, I'm going to give Pipe benefit of doubt for this, you know. Anyway, next match. Ready coming out, he's got the mic. So Chavo's affecting the Guerrero family here by being a loser. And Eddie's just telling the truth. Uh, you know, you talk about the talent roster here. We've already seen Goldberg. We saw, you know, that great start tonight, Joe. And now Eddie Guerrero. And it's just like so charming about him. Is that the right word? Do you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of... He gives a nod and a wink to the camera. He's like, yeah, don't worry. I know what I'm doing here. He's making Chavo have to uh, apologise for being such a loser. And now we're getting an Eddie Guerrero versus Ultimo Dragon match as well. No, it is Chavo Guerrero uh, versus so, Ultimo Dragon. So Chavo has to do it because obviously... Eddie said you're a loser. This will make up for it. And you feel sorry for Chavo as well in this. It's, it's, it's really well done. And it's just a shame they didn't focus on this kind of stuff. So now it's Chavo versus Dragon. Oh, nice start there by each man. Leapfrog and pin attempt each. Chavo dodging out the welly elbow. Wow, lovely head scissors takedown there by Chavo. Sends Altimo into the corner. Picks him up. Oh, a lovely back body drop. It's probably Guerrero back drop, wasn't it, there? Bringing down with full force, going for the cover. The dragon getting up at one. One. Well, cheat to win. Eddie's got the back of his shirt. He's also got Eddie's my favourite wrestler on the front. So, <laughs> we don't really know what he thinks about himself. Well, is that a dish to my T-shirt saying Dan is my favourite podcaster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and Chavo now went for the sleeper. But he's now got the abdominal stretching and James... Any idea who that was made famous by? It was. It was made famous by Wilbur Schneider, of course, back in the 1920s, making that hold one of the most dangerous in wrestling. And now Chavo's got a different extension to it. He's put the arm underneath the leg to cause more harm. A bit of a pump-handled abdominal stretch, if you will. Exactly. And then he used that to his advantage to basically slam him down in that position. Now Chavo, nice swing and elbow. I agree with Bobby. I think Chavo... <laughs> He is. He's had a majority of the offense against Armour Dragon. He's not given any room for Dragon to breathe. And you think about the pressure. He's still wearing his jeans and his you know, trainers. Eddie's watching on as well. He's let down the majority of his family, or so he's been told. Well, his grandma got kicked out of a club. His uncle got kicked out of the Lowriders club. So you, you can understand Eddie's disappointment in Chavo. Well, that, just imagine the future where Eddie's not allowed a Lowrider. You know, that would be quite incredible. And now... Exactly. Eddie's just trying to protect the Guerrero legacy. And the future Guerrero entrances. Oh, look at Dragon. Second rope. Springboard, but Chavo dropped. Oh, slides through. Rolls up Ultimo. But Ultimo gets a reversal. Chavo. Oh, both men getting near two counts. Two. Oh, Chavo gets side headlock, but oh. Waist lock slam there from Ultimo Dragon. Eddie, don't throw in the towel. But he's embarrassed to watch. And you can't help but focus on Eddie as he puts the towel over his head and turns his back to Chavo. <laughs> Can he watch it? No. No. He looks like Taz and Dragon now picking Chavo up. And Dragon, ooh. Here we go, Flower Carano. Chavo cutting him off. Lovely elbow strikes from Chavo and he's going to bring Ultimo in the hard way. But Ultimo looking to reverse it and slam Chavo on the outside. But Chavo, length suplexes Ultimo into the ring, goes yep. for the cover, Ooh. but Dragon managing to kick out. Ah, and that looked more like the Brain Buster as well on the way back in. Chavo managed to get the impact down, maybe going to go for the, the Tornado DDT. He loves Jesus so much. Oh. oh, looking for it, but Ultimo had it well scouted. Threw him across the ring, a roll up from Dragon, but Chavo rolls through. And that was good thinking by Chavo. Might be looking for a gory bomb. The dragon with the backslide, and he's got a dragon sleeper locked in. Well, he made it famous, and now he's got Chavo in. Oh. And Chavo taps out, and they 
again another disappointment to his uncle and his grandma. And Eddie can't believe it. But again, a really enjoyable match, isn't it? It's something completely different yeah. to what we have been seeing. Whipping Chavo with the towel. He just embarrassed his Uncle Eddie. We're letting down the Aguero name. Another slap. And Chavo getting in Eddie's face. Well, we go to an ad break. And it is, Dan. Nitro Girls. Yeah, and we get a recap of Uncensored and Malenko saying he's going home after the Chris Jericho loss. So after that, it's Barry Darso versus... Luger. Yeah, weirdly, Luger has cane pyro. <laughs> a flex and a smirk. Dan, he is not smirking, he is flexing, all right? This is 70s wrestling at his best. And Luger with the comeback. Flex. Torture rack. And then he flexes some more afterwards. And we get the third hour fireworks. Yeah, we get footage from two weeks ago. Henning and Adams versus Bulldog and Jim Neidhart. Yeah, Nitro last week. Brett saved them both, didn't he? So this is what we're going to see here tonight. We get NWA music. Yes, and the next match is Henning and Adams versus Bulldog and Anvil. Where we get no update on Randy Savage. But we do get Rude joining the commentary. And But there's a brawl to start this match. Henning chops and gets stopped by Jim. Well, Dave is in and so is Brian. A delayed vertical suplex. Jim rams himself back in. But NWO... Now control. Yeah, we've got a break during the match, and there's no break for us in this. <laughs> no, just boring chance. Well, Jim, sorry, that was mainly for me. Yeah, Jim gets so called hot tag. Rude knees Jim in the back. And then a heading pex for the victory. And that is time that I'll never get back. Well, after the beatdown, Brett's here. Yes, and it is the third week in a row it's happened. Yeah, and he clears the ring and grabs the mic. Don't tell me, he says, this won't happen anymore. Oh, yeah, sure it won't, mate. Sure it won't. So the next match is Chris Jericho versus Juventud Guerrero with a cruiserweight title on the line. And uh, what a great match this was between both men. We're just going to go towards the closing moments. And Juventud shown his heart and guts and his determination in this one, Dan, hasn't he? Jericho beating him down. He's shown that Mexican spirit and losing the mask. He's not lost that said spirit. Jericho trying to pick Juventud up. Backslide, Juventud on the back. Punching Jericho head, rolls through with a roll up to... One, two. Jericho managing to kick out. Uh, yeah. Hits Hoovy with a big back elbow. And now Jericho goes to sacrifice himself. Doesn't usually go up high often. Drops the elbow to Juventud. Disrespect there by Jericho, but that's what he's been good at, hasn't he? Taking the mask, taking the careers of people like Di Malenko. Oh. Goes for a pop-up on Juvi, but Juvi hits Jericho with a drop kick. Lovely nip-up by Juventud. Oh, Hoovy goes for the cover, but Jericho just managing to kick out. Ah, beautiful Hurricane roll into the pin attempt there. But Jericho doesn't want this anymore, goes to the, <laughs> tries to go outside. Well, Juvie stops him in his tracks, delivers a chop. Irish Ripper attempt, but Jericho ducks it, catches Hoovy. Oh, but oh. Hoovy turns it into a face plant. And he could upset Jericho here. Oh! Oh. Chris Jericho just kicking out. Ah. Going for the Hoovy driver. Why did he walk close to the ropes? Well, he hits it, but I think he wants to hit there. Hoovy's going. I think he's looking for that 450. Well, Jericho oh. straight back to his feet. Splits the difference on Hoovy. Sends him crutched on the top rope. Maybe he's playing possum. Hello, possum. Jericho's gone up to me. Hooving to, but Hoovy to fight back. Pushes Jericho off. Oh, but Jericho catches a flying crossbody attempt. Oh, and Hoovington tries to go for Hurricane Runner. Jericho catches him, turns him into the Lion Tamer. Oh. Oh, Guerrero's tough. 
but he's going to have to tap here. Jericho pressed it, but a lovely match there. I say lovely, a great match there. And look who it is. It's Prince Ikea, and he's going to challenge Jericho at Spring Stampede. He throws in the towel. Hoover apparently never gave up. Jericho throws the towel on the head of, who, uh, of Ikea. And Jericho, oh! Gets a high back body drop delivered to him from Prince. Well, the Prince is here, and he wants to be king of the cruiserweights. Sends Jericho packing, and they will face at Spring Stampede. So not bad, but unfortunately the next match is not as good because it is Scott Steiner with Vincent versus Sick Boy. And there is still no update on Macho. NWO music and the next match is... Scott Steiner with Vincent versus Sick Boy. Well, he beats him down and stops selling during Sick Boy's comeback. <laughs> I don't know why. And then he hits the Steiner recliner for the win. The trophy out, but of course no one has any idea. The commentators don't know what the trophy's about even though he's, he's prancing around with it basically. Yes, and this might be the worst episode we have watched. It's not been great, has it? You know, and we get another update. Uh, and we're going to go to the main event now. We've got an update match, man, but we are going to go to the main event. It is Kevin Nash versus Sting for the World Heavyweight title. Michael Buffer with an announcement. <laughs> yes, don't forget we have a pay-per-view coming up with Nash and Hogan teaming up. Yes. But Nash saying the title's going to go around his waist. It's not going to be going home. And why is Conan out kissing Nash's ass? Because he's a fuckwit. But Nash is here. No NWO top. It says it's for life. And Nitro continues after this. So maybe for the first time ever, Nash versus Sting. This is, again, quite an interesting matchup, isn't it? But with no proper build-up thrown in between Sting versus Macho and Nash versus three other guys, it's kind of... It's... I don't know. It's like someone's just made it up because it's interesting to watch as opposed to having any meaning in it, you know? It's almost as if someone's made it up to take your attention away from WWE and keep it on WCW. Yeah, and they have no idea how to go forward. They've got no real plan. It's just a week-to-week thing. Yeah. I mean, can Nash win this title tonight and then he has to uh, be in two matches at Spring Stampede? And Nash holding the heavyweight championship above his head, saying that this is going to be around my way soon. Cody's like, yeah. Oh, I'll suck your dick. Well, Nash hasn't held the WWE world title yet. Yes, he's held a WF title for nearly a year. But since then, no real single success known for the outsiders. Would it be his chance here tonight? And Sting's not been used properly at all, like you were talking about. So will it be his chance to look a bit tougher here? Are both men with a bit of a stare-off. Nash raising the two sweet. Well, they came to blows last week, didn't they, with Nash beating Luger in that tag team match. Sting doing his own two sweet and telling him to suck it. Well, I think the fans are behind Sting. Well, they're behind Nash, they're in front of Sting. There you go, Colin and Elbow tie up to kick things off. And Nash outpowering Sting, sends him back into the corner. Well, the world's, larg- the world's largest wrestling company, the number one wrestling show and the biggest championship in in the world on the line here. But for how long? Now Nash backs Sting up in the corner. Big elbows. That's driving the full force of that elbow into Sting. Rocking the man. Kevin Nash rocking Sting, but Sting bouncing off the ropes. Driving his full weight into Nash a couple of times. Drops Nash to a knee. Sting goes up top. Oh, lovely clothesline takedown from the Stinger. And now Sting stalking Nash. Drop kicks in and eliminates him from the Royal Rumble. Nash lands on their way for Finn Mats below. And Conan out there going, you okay? 
Ma sain odale ja riivalla rassa. Hello? Want me to suck your dick? You want me to put it in my mouth? Sting, gonna grab Nash. Oh, but Nash grabbing Sting's feet, dragging him out of the ring. Bounces his head off the apron. Oh, Conan just beating down Sting. Look how shit Conan is. Boots on the outside, not even had an impact. There's Conan assisting the big sexy. Nash drops a leg on the back of the neck of Sting. What's the point of referees? Another mark down in your uh, refereeing column. For fuck's sake, though, you know what I mean? Like, they are terrible. What are they doing here? Like, Colin could just attack him. Nash bringing him down now, going for the cover. Sting managing to kick out. Uh, I mean, the double stubby titles on the line. I mean, surely that means something. Well, don't call me Shirley, but it does look like the referee is constantly looking the other way. Uh, I'll bet you £100 this ends in fucking outside interference, you know? Of course it does. As soon as Sting gets the upper hand, hits the Scorpion death drop, Conan's jumping in and saving him. And now bat break and Sting's caught. Look at that. Stretching Sting over his knee. But it has been a better match than most of the normal shit we've seen, isn't we? You know, I mean, Nash... He's the show's been shit, but the main event's probably been one of the best main yeah. events we've seen in a while. He's definitely given it a go. I mean, all we've had is Goldberg and Eddie Guerrero, really, to save us, and Jericho, but, uh, you know, they should be doing better. This whole macho storyline on the outside, just pointless. Oh, and now Sting gets to his feet. The crowd get behind him. I hope they're cheering him and not fucking someone coming out here. Oh, Nash with a knee up. Conan's up on the ring apron. Shouting like Kevin Nash. Oh, it's ripped to Nash, sends Sting into the corner. A Nash splash. And Sting can't even reach his feet. Sting has looked awful in ring, hasn't he, since coming back? <laughs> like I've not rated Sting one bit. And this is just crap. I mean, you're meant to be like an all-conquering all baby face. Like in an Austin mould. This has just been pathetic. Like, all his victories have kind of been lucky thanks to outside interference. And Nash now beating the champion. Oh! Sting dodging it, Nash hitting his knee on the top turnbuckle, and Sting targeting that left knee of Nash. Yeah, you got to chop the big redwood down, and now he's targeting it. And now Sting with the elbow drop on Nash. Now Sting looking to put Nash away. Big right hand, knocking Nash out. Oh, looking for the Scorpion Deathlock. Oh, he's going to get Nash. <laughs> he wants the fans to get into it. He's got it locked. Well, Nash is a big lump, but... I don't know if he can get there. Look at Conan trying to reach Nash. Nash showing his toughness. Oh, He gets to the bottom rope there. Maybe the assistance of Conan. And the referee's not doing anything about this right now. No. <laughs> oh. <coughs> and Nash with a thumb to the eye. And Sting's don't know where he is. Nash got him. Sidewalk slam from Nash. Goes for the cover. One, One two. Oh. But Sting managing to kick out. Oh. Now Nash back to his feet, trying to make sure that left leg's fine. Passes the ropes. Oh, drops out a big elbow into the heart of Sting. Two. But Sting managing to kick out. (laughs) Now Nash has got Sting, throws him in the top turnbuckle. Now Nash just measuring the right hands. Nash with a big knee, dropping Sting. And now trying to rip his head off his shoulders. Sting back to his oh. <laughs> Sting back to his feet. Finally, after being worn down the past couple of minutes. Now huge right hands. Rocking Nash. Oh, hits him with a drop kick. Conan in the ring. Oh, and Stinger splashes the pair of them. 
I don't know why Conan in there for a referee's got to get control. Another single splash. Boom. Hits the second one. Going for a third. Hits this mark. Now Nash in serious trouble. Sting, Irish ripping Kevin Nash. Oh, reversal. Sends Sting back into the corner. Setting him up for the jackknife. It's a... Well, it's $50,000, but I think he wants to win the world title. But his back's gone. He can't. Oh, now Hogan in. Hogan punching away at the head of Sting, costing Nash the title. And now Nash's got Hogan. Throws him off. Hogan saying, why are you doing that for? I help you out. Looked like Nash was doing all right at that point in time. Now Sting up, hits Hogan. Ducks Nash, chops him in the stomach. And Sting, looking all right at the moment, stopping both Hogan and Nash. Oh, and the rest of the NWO. Yep, Steiner, Henning, Rude, Vincent, Adams, Disciple. This is just... This is why I've been thrown in the ring. Because this is rubbish. And Nash looking on with Conan. Here comes Rowdy Roddy Piper, followed by the Giant. Oh, finally, now the big man's in. And he's going straight after the NWO, clearing the ring. What, people just throw shit in, heading out. And that's better from WCW there. That's it. Three men fighting off the hole of the NWO. And where was Bret Hart when he says he doesn't let this stuff happen anymore? Oh, it's only when it happens to the Hart family. And look at Nash trying to go for Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hogan and getting stopped by the NWO. Nash thinking the opportunity was squandered there. My God. I mean, what do you think of that, Dan? NWO interference. Doing my fucking head in now. And it is. Weren't a bad match. Weren't a bad moment. But the problem is, you know, with moments like that, it means there's going to be a strong NWO now for the next couple of weeks we're leading towards. Fring Stampede as well. All right, so Nitro 1, 3, 5. We just saw last week. So what an incredible Nitro that was. And now we go 1, 3, 5. It is April 13th. And this is known as the night the war changes. Yeah, I thought that was a great... Isn't it mental? You think about that as a fucking... Just a statement of intent. You know, Nitro winning so long. We're going to get into it in a minute. So let's kick off Nitro. Mm-hmm. And we get a video showing Piper's comments from Nitro last week. Of course, when he was having a go at basically everybody, including Nash and, of course, um, Hollywood Hogan. Right, so we get the opening titles. And, of course... Fireworks! Yeah, and we're in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is not easy for me to say. Go Vikings! Yeah. <laughs> and Tony welcomes us to the number one wrestling show in the world. It wouldn't be by the end of the episode. Oh, wow. So then we get Nitro Girls. Yay, and then the commentators talk about how great WCW is. Mm. Aren't they great? <laughs> yeah. First match is Scott Steiner versus Finlay. Yes, and uh, these two guys, they look strikingly similar. They do, yeah. You know, in single. <laughs> and Vincent is out with Scott and the trophy. Yeah, and the, we don't know the story behind the trophy. You know, it, with, he's walking out with it, the commentator's like, I have no idea. Well, do you remember when Scott turned on Rick? Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Uh, no, I don't remember it. No, no. Well, that happened two months ago, and all we saw is Rick rejecting the NWO, and that's it. Yeah, so they're not followed up on the storyline. It's just Scott Steiner in singles competition. This match was not pretty. No, and both men used to have long black hair. Now, both bleach blonde. 
And it is a very pro NWO crowd. Scott suplexes, he poses, and then a Steiner line. Yeah, Scott gets in Larry Henning's face. Yeah, yeah, Larry Henning. Scott gets in Larry Henning's face. Um, what, Kurt is in the NWO, but, you know, heels be heels, I suppose, like that. Yes, uh, well, Scott dominates. Fit Finley gets no offence in. No, suplex off the top and a Steiner recliner. Yes, and then we get Mean Gene on stage to plug the WCW hotline. Next match is Lenny Lane versus the Ultimo Dragon. Commentators, or Larry, tells us the history of Minnesota and why wrestling... (coughs) Commentators, or Larry, tell us the history of Minnesota and wrestling. That's why Kurt's dad is ringside. Plus, it used to be the base of the AWA. They should do this on commentary now. Yeah, of course they should. You know, if they're in a place that has got a lot of history, they should bring it up. You know, if WWE's like number one, say, well, back in the day, this is where Bruno Sammartino fucking, you know, title or people like this, and let people learn about the history of the... Because if, if people don't learn about history, it will get forgotten about in these times, you know? Yeah. But the crowd are not interested in this at all. No, and after a couple of minutes of Lane, Dragon with the comeback... Gets cut off and sent outside, but catches Lane with a kick again. Lane responds with a slam. Well, Lenny sucks chance. I guess I was wrong about the crowd not being into it. You, you'd have thought there'd have been a pun in there about Lenny is lame. Yeah, you. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. My bad, my bad. Well, Dragon had a few near calls, but outs on a Dragon sleeper for the win. Yeah. Well, up next, clip, uh, up next is a clip of an interview with Brett, and he says he wants a fair shot and the world title. He deserves it. Yeah. Commentators tell us there are lots of problems in the NWO. Yeah, and we don't care. Uh, mean Gene is backstage with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Interesting fact, Mean Gene's, this is Mean Gene's hometown. And he also started in the AWA. See, I'm teaching people now. Indeed, yes. Where would people be without us? But anyway, uh, number one is Nash versus Hogan. It's what Piper had to say. Oh, Piper, yeah, had to say. The first thing is Nash versus Hogan. Oh, so that's a big match for tonight. Yes, and then number two, Piper will get rid of Hogan. Well, but Hogan attacks with the disciple, and it's an awfully shit stunner on Rowdy Roddy backstage. Yes, and then we get Mean Gene in the ring, and he's plugging the pay-per-view on Sunday. Well, after what we've seen here... After what we've seen here is the giant. What the fuck is my writing all about? Well, after what we've seen here, it's the giant. Yes, and Gene asks him for an update. Well, giant shouts he will be ready Sunday. He's very slurring. I wonder if he's been drinking. He says he'll take the NWO down, and Nash is going to get choke slammed from the sky. The crowd booed him. Yeah, good work, faces. Good work. Next match. Johnny Grunge versus Chavo. No Eddie, but Chavo is still wearing the T-shirt. Yes, and Chavo offered a hand, and Grunge cheap-shotted him. Yeah, well, fucking that's Eddie's advice, you know. It was Eddie Chance during this match. The match is nothing special, and Arvo tried a few arm drags and sunset flips, but Johnny sat down on him for the win. <laughs> yeah, we get another break. He says, Nash is scum, and Hogan's worse. Now, Dan, what's worse than scum? Enzo Amore. <laughs> we get Nitro Girls, Easter bunnies, puppies, bunnies! <laughs> Easter cunt. <laughs> oh, that is just wrong. Well, on the road report, tickets available for Thunder on Thursday. Is this already a sign that maybe they're having too many shows? Maybe, but we get NWO music. For life. For life. Nash is out to a big pop. And he's just seen Hogan running out the doors. Uh, We've just seen Hogan running out the back door. (laughs) He don't want any of Big Sexy. 
Oh, my word. Yeah, so Hogan's ran out the back door. No jokes, please. And it's a long night for Rowdy Roddy Piper, Nash says, because George Michaels was arrested. That the Piper made a RuPaul reference towards Nash last night, Tro, so I guess they're making another reference about, ha-ha, you're a homosexual. Funny. And Nash said he has not seen Macho. Who has? Neither have we. <laughs> no, no. Nash wants Sting. Well, Big Kev knows he had him beat. Then Sting comes running out. Yeah, JJ Dillon in between them. Sting wants him to have a title match tonight. Yeah, he says, I want you to have my bat. I want you to have a title match. He's gone crazy. JJ says, if you want to wrestle, it have to be in the main event. Well, Sting wants to powerbomb reinstate. So not only is he offering his bat, he's offering Nash a title opportunity, and he's saying you can use the jackknife, which is banned now. Yes, and JJ says, if you want to use it, go ahead. Yeah, but there's no bats. I'm going to draw the line <laughs> at bats. That's only the Sunday on pay-per-view. Sting tells Nash to suck it. Next match. Glacier, Glacier versus Beep. <laughs> Tony says he's a man who could destroy anyone. Kids and wife included. <laughs> Hard chops to start. And then Glacier kicks. Mm-hmm. Benoit is over and he's stomping Glacier. But but somehow, Big Glacier takes over. Yeah, and basically stays in control until crippled with the crossface. Before the break, we see a video of Thunder with Buff saying he's 5-1. and one. He is the real total package. Well, back from the break and it's the second hour and we get... Fireworks. fireworks and Tony tells us all four major titles major, major titles, titles are on the line commentators talk up the main event yeah they say Randy Savage is not 100% obviously he got stretched out last week on Nitro and he's not 100% as it comes to the pay-per-view as well and then we get a video from Funda Scott Steiner beating down Luger with Bish Rick Steiner comes out and suplexes Bish yeah and uh, Flair's mentioned but Tony uh, Flair is mentioned by Tony and he says he's not been around so of course we've got a couple of things there the the Rick Steiner thing he's focused more on Bischoff than he is his own brother at the moment and that's happening on Thunder and of course we talked about the Rick Flair story we'll go into more details in a couple of months time kind of him and Bischoff having a falling out and Flair not being around for basically a very long time now and this is kind of start of it you know uh, but the, the, the crazy thing about Nitro is they mention it on air and then do nothing about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, then Buff is out with Bish. They're trying to, I'll tell you what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it difficult to turn over. They've just started the second hour and Bischoff and Buff are coming out. So basically, Raw's just started now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, well, Buff gets on the mic and in spite of being so great and there's one thing he can't do and that is predict the future. I would have challenged Rick. Nobody touches the most dynamic man in Bischoff. So Buff putting Bischoff over, obviously, so how cool he is. And now it's Buff Bagwell challenging Rick Steiner instead of Rick Steiner with Scott. But look, WWE do what they're doing, don't they? You know what I mean? Guess what happened in this match? Well, Buff mocks a flex and Rick's bark and he claims... Uh, oh, yeah, and he calls Luger a muscled-brained goof. Wow. Offense. I don't know, Buff might have had something if he could wrestle. Do you know what I mean? Like, because he was, he was, he wasn't making me laugh, but we had a smile on our face, shall yeah. we say so. Well, Bischoff says Hogan is on Leno, and that's why he left. Yeah, so he didn't run out the back door. Well, he did run out the back door, but just to Jay Leno. 
Tony says, we've done this match before. So the thing is about that is they're already saying Buff saying he's won five and one. If you want to keep people watching Nitro, you don't say to them, here's a match you might have seen six times before. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense, but what do I know? Yes, well, Buff poses. And Tony wonders how Macho is doing, torn shoulder and knee ligaments. So needs, so no need. So a need for the neck brace? So no need for the neck brace. Oh, so, so no need for the neck brace. No, so apparently he was down. He looked really bad like a broken neck and it was just knee ligaments. And you know when you've damaged your knee ligaments and you've gone down with bad neck, haven't you? I mean, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I broke my toe once and had to put my arm in a cast. <laughs> well, anyway, it is a match between Luger and Buff. Yes, and the crowd is split. Yeah, Buff starts in control early, but gets clotheslined out. Luger then mocks Buff with the Buff pose, which, again, made me quite laugh. Yes, Luger grabs Buff, puts him in the corner, but Buff reverses and takes control. But he missed a blockbuster. Luger clotheslines. Forearm flex. Torture act. And Bish in for the DQ. Really? I know, mental, isn't it, you know? Well, Luger grabs Eric and racks him, scare, and been beat... And beaten down, Rick's out, but NWO Scarpa. Yeah, so nearly Rick and Scott there, but again, nothing. And we've seen with more Brett interview, and he basically says, Macho needs to get rid of the NWO. And then we get Nitro Girls. Yeah, and it's our next match. Super Callo versus Y2J. So here we go, Chris Jericho versus uh, Super Callo. Now, we're going to focus, like we talked about, it's no secret really, with the attitude area where it is. And over on Nitro, we're going to be looking at Goldberg and we're going to look at basically Chris Jericho as well because it's fascinating for me to see he came... When I first started watching wrestling and Jericho came across, I thought he was quite a youngster. But if anything, he's been around longer than people like The Rock and, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the same time as Triple H and kind of that character development. He comes but, out here. You know, he's... He is the Chris Jericho that we know as well. It's it's good because there's only really two characters in Nitro that are still or were still about in this past year. Yeah, yeah, Or, yeah. you know, last year included as well. Chris Jericho. I know he wrestles all over the shop now. Well, he doesn't wrestle over the shop, but he takes a lot of time out with his band. And Bill Goldberg, you know, there's aside from them, there's no one else... For me, and, and we, we could try and see him a little bit more, but he's not getting used as well. Someone like Eddie Guerrero as well, to be able to see what he's doing with the Chavo wearing the Eddie's My Favourite Wrestler t-shirt and stuff like that. It's great to see people. But it's just that same, like you talk about people that have been around, you know, years ago and that to try and have longevity. I mean, people might not know who Super Callow is. And Jericho grabs a mic. You see that? He's doing all this shtick already, Monday Night Jericho. Jericho there saying, stop it, Prince. Prince Ikea. Oh, Trick Jericho just did that to get an advantage. That's the dastardly hill way by Jericho. He plays it perfectly. Exactly. Shouting at the referee saying, look, that is not Super Calo. And Calo lifts the mask, Jericho's forearm. Now, the thing about Jericho that I love, this kind of character, is, is just pure disrespect for everybody. You know, taking Hooventude's mask, taking Dean Malenko's career. You know, and you know with Prince R.K. that he's going to, if, when it beats him, he's going to take something from him as well. He might even demask Super Calo here tonight. Super Calo needs to go ballistic and Jericho needs to be atrocious. I think if they do that here tonight, Super Calo might get a chance. Jericho gets rolled up by Super Calo, manages to kick out though. Uh-huh. And then just delivers a thunderous big boot 
Jericho's in full control at the moment. Hilo in over the top with a lovely slam. Goes for cover. Two. Oh. Super Calo managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. Should say Super Calo did have a great cruiserweight title match against Rey Mysterio. Uh, I think World War Three in 1996. I'm going to say that was great. But Calo's been around a little while now, as Tony says. So I think he's uh, been around the first, first injection. And this is the kind of real difference between Nitro and Raw for me. It's the kind of thing that I like. This kind of cruiserweight action we're seeing. And even that, the kind of stars we talked about at Guerrero and that, making the transition from the cruiserweight scene into the kind of US title picture or the TV title picture. Jericho with a lovely gut wrench suplex. Just pure arrogance by him putting knee on Supercalo as well. Uh-oh. Arrogant cover. And now Jericho's starting to have a bit of a bitch fit. He's getting too distracted though. He wants to keep his focus on to Supercalo. you got to like someone who wears sunglasses wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, I think that looks really weird. <laughs> well, like he's got no, like an it invisible looks, man. You know, you know the um, the early Spider-Man masks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like one of them. That's Super Galileo. Oh, impressive. Nipping off Chris Jericho. Track tie hole takedown. Oh, springboards his way out to the top. A lovely seated drop kick. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh, Jericho managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Like I said, Jericho overlooking Sibicalo, looking towards Prince Ikea at Spring Stampede. Spinning heel kick from Jericho. Oh, looking to kind of take Supercalo out, but Supercalo ducks him. Jericho lands on them wafer-thin mats below in front of the fans. And now Calo all the way to the top. Oh, oh flying crossbody. Takes out Y2J. Jericho's in serious trouble now. Calo can take advantage of this. Oh, my God. Supercalo went up again to the top. With Jericho wisely bouncing against the ring ropes, thus making Supercalo crutch himself on the top. And now he's in a world of trouble. Jericho's looking to superplex him. Calo's trying to fight off. But Jericho... Oh, Ooh. no. Jericho gets planted face first into the mat. And now Calo off the top. Oh, trying to hurricane runner. Fluffs it up completely, and Jericho locks in the walls of Jericho, or the lion tamer. Well, there we go. Callow is tamed here. Jericho not re- relinquishing the hold, though, after the bell's gone. Referee's pleading with him. He's still not doing it. Oh, he is now. Prince <laughs> comes out, and he's stopped in the ring by the magic ring force field. <laughs> and Jericho's face is like, I can't believe that. <laughs> I thought that was him. Jericho saying he's too smart for that. He fooled both of them after escaping the clutches of Prince Arkaya. Well, Prince Arkaya has a huge chance, though, at Spring Stampede to uh, win the Cruiserweight title. And the next match is Saturn versus Van Hammer. And that would be my porn name. <laughs> what, Saturn? Yeah. <laughs> well, he says... Well, do you want to go in the rings of Saturn? Hey, he, Saturn says to Van Hammer, stay out of my fights. No, I think he's worried that Van Hammer's getting involved in his beeswax. Well, Saturn beats him easily with said rings of Saturn. And the next match, Rocco Rock versus No One. So the, the start of the second hour when they go against Raw, they had Buff and Luger. And now towards, you know, I mean, into their second hour in Raw, we're having Goldberg in action. Well, Rocco Rock first. Well, Dan, it's the unmistakable music and the in firework. I don't know. It's Goldberg. <laughs> the most intense man in the business. 
But he has to watch his back because Rocco Rock has come out here with a table. Yes, he has. And, of course, Johnny Grunge might be laying around as well. Of course, his tag team partner. But I think Goldberg will take them both on. I mean, this man at the moment has been absolutely dominating competition in Nit- uh, on Nitro. It's kind of a slow build. The storyline is gone. Qu- if it is a storyline, it's worked really well, hasn't it? You know, he's grown a... The fans have grown to love him as yes. we go on, you know. And he's, he's been going through... He's not really been beating recognisable names at the moment. He's yeah. just going working his way through the roster, beating the likes of Hugh Morris, beating the likes of... Well, potentially beating the likes of yeah. Rocco Rock. Oh, and he's just been completely dominating in all his matches. Yeah, and he just threw Rocco Rock across the ring to a huge roar. Like, like I said, yeah, it, it's like you would do, wouldn't it? You know, and then the next stage is from TV title or US title. Go through those people, you know, and then just imagine matches against and Jericho and people like that, and then eventually onto the main event. Well, that's how you build a wrestler, I think. Yeah. You have them beating lower, lower case wrestlers, working their way up the ladder. And then eventually, you know, they go against the mid-carders, dominate them, get himself a mid-card title, and then start facing the, the main eventers, yeah. the faces of the company. And then, you know, work his way up to the World Heavyweight Championship. Most definitely. I think very rarely do you see a guy getting a massive push when he first come in, really go all the way. Do you know what I mean? And maybe Brock yeah. Lesnar would be one of those. And the, the other way you were talking about... It was would be Randy Orton as well, that kind of, yeah. kind of type of working. Obviously not as dominant as... Well, even, you know, for example, you could say John Cena as well. Yeah, yeah, Because exactly, John yeah. Cena worked his way up, beat Big Show for the US title, yeah. hitting him with the chain around the hands mm-hmm. after faking up the brass knucks. And, yeah. This is the thing, isn't it? You know, and you need to build and you need to get make sure the fans respect you. Even they thought Cena was, was given the opportunity too soon, you know. But Goldberg's taking Rocco Rock to the outside. But Rocco Rock with a thumb to the eye, managing to duck Goldberg, and uh, Goldberg hit his bicep on the ring post, and now Goldberg's just been thrown into and then drop-kicked on the steel steps. Well, let's not forget Rocco Rock, you know, public enemy, big in ECW, so they know all extreme ways to get an advantage in a match, and Goldberg a little bit staggered, and that table's coming in the ring now. Oh, dear. <laughs> and Rocco Rock and uh, Goldberg in a little bit of trouble, comes in the ring now. Oh, spears Rocco through that table. The crowd absolutely love it. <laughs> People are aghast at what he just done. Well, we haven't seen much table use, have we? No, we haven't. What's happening now, Dan? Well, James, he's going to jack him up, hammer him down. One, two, three. Put a fork in him. Rocco Rock is done. Wow. They should just have two hours of Bill Goldberg matches, you know. <laughs> the Goldberg gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, you've won Who's a beat next? ratings. Oh, Perry Saturn. Oh, Saturn is a mentalist. And look at Raven coming out here. Pulling Saturn <laughs> back by his necklace. Well, Saturn's tough, but he might be too stupid oh, there. Billy Kidman comes flying off the top rope, gets caught by Goldberg, who lifts him up. <laughs> Gorilla Press <laughs> drops him whilst going into a spear to Sick Boy. Is that coming in the ring? Uh, yeah. Oh. Spear to Billy Kidman. Or was that sign guard? No, it was, it was Sick Boy, wasn't it? Yeah. And there goes Billy Kidman. He's broken in. Oh, my God. Where do you see a Gorilla Press turn into a spear? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've seen that. But it was certainly impressive. 
and the fans really, really enjoying it as well. Indeed, yes. Some might be NWO, some might be WSW, but I think they're all Goldberg. As he shouts into the camera, who's next? But I think, <laughs> by the looks of things, the flock is next. And Goldberg could easily beat the whole flock. Yeah. Goldberg v the flock in one match. But now we are in to the third hour of Nitro. Yeah, and we get what, James? Well, you know what that brings about Zadia. It brings fireworks. Yes, and then it brings Nitro Girls. And we get a Nitro party video. Yay! Yes, and there's loads of young, drunk people. James, easy now. Easy. Easy, Tiger. Well, the next match is Yuji Nagata with Sonny Ono. And we get the NWO music, and it is hometown hero Kurt Hennig with Rude. Yeah, and we should say both men's fathers are in the crowd. Of course, we saw Larry Hennig earlier, and Rick Rude's dad sitting right next to him. And them two are real baby faces. Yeah, and he beats Yuji down in front of their own parents. He brings him back into the ring to beat him down some more. Well, Henning Plex, but he decides against it. Henning rules. Shows Nagata that. And the Hill NWO. <laughs> Very facey. And here comes Henning, Henning Plex. One, two, three. And that is it. It's just so confusing, you know. Do you know know what? I am actually very disappointed that the rest of the NWO didn't come out. The cleanest finish I guess you can get. And now Rick Rude's trying to handcuff Yuji to the rope. Well, it may have been a clean finish, but the end of the match or after the match isn't clean There you go. This is what you wanted. (laughs) Cause Rude and Henry have been friends for years. Remember when Bret Hart said this kind of stuff wouldn't happen anymore? Jim the Anvil Neidhart's down, though. And he actually leaves the rings to chase after. That's a good idea. Wow. Oh, he might get him. No. I think Neidhart had to slow down because he was going to catch him. Unfortunately, for the rest of the night, Nagata is in the corner. So that might diminish the main event a little bit. Yes, but... and the TV, <laughs> uh, the TV title is on the line next and is Booker T versus La Parker. Well, if Booker wins, he faces Chris Benoit at Sprang's at Spring Stampede in a no time limit match we've seen them go for two 10 minute time limit matches two and they're both men it is a very back and forth match yeah and we're just going to watch the end of it now because I really like the style of the two you know La Parker probably not known for the greatest wrestling technique Booker T with a one man flapjack and then Spinner ruins his way to his feet hits the axe kick and look at that raising the roof and the fans behind Booker can you dig that sucker and the Parker better not get up. He'll be in serious trouble at missile drop kick. One, two, three. So the Parker coming up short there against the TV champion Booker T. But at least now we know it's going to be Booker Benoit, which should be a great match at Spring Stampede. That should be a very good match, yes. Mm. I think Booker the... T celebrates in the corner. I think the Parker's trying to bring a chair into it. Oh, but Benoit cuts him off and a couple of big chops. Puts La Parker down to the mat. Oh, and uh, there you go. A bit of respect, maybe? Well, we saw there was respect beforehand. Uh. That's what happened between Booker T and Stevie Ray to break up Harlem Heat. Oh, well, Booker off the hand and Benoit pushed Booker. I think he just wants him at 100%. No excuses at Spring Stampede. And we've got a push-off. We get a shoving match in the ring. The mighty ring bells trying to stop these two guys from going at it. Mm. Now look at these, face to face, nose to nose. 
I think Booker T certainly has the advantage on the nose. He, he, he does. Well, the replay, they call it a sidewalk slam. It's not a sidewalk slam, it's a fucking spine buster. But hey, we all make mistakes. Cool thing. Indeed, yes. We get a good promo video for DDP versus Raven. Lots of realism and backstory. They will fight at Spring Stampede. Yeah, this will be good. I really like the build up to it. Uh, Rage comes out, though, for single action. But Chaos tags along for the ride as well. Sweet. And it's a big opportunity for him as he's in a US title match against DDP. Commentators tell us that Raven stole the US title in New York on MTV. Age smirks to start. No, he doesn't, Dan. He's just wrestling. He's not got cigarette in his mouth. Well, they run for a standard match. Leapfrog reverse, hip toss. Chaos grabs Paige's leg. Rage takes over. And then we get a Paige comeback. Paige wearing jeans. He's ready for a fight. Here he is, coming back now. Who's who's your favourite out of uh, out of uh, out of heavy machinery? Out of rage and chaos, Dan. I mean, come on, it's a big question, isn't it? It's one of those questions. You got to have your favourite. Uh, it'd have to be Cage or oh, Raos. I was going to say I was more of a K Rage fan. And now we go. Look, Irish whip, bang, diamond cutter. See, another new variation. He can hit from anywhere, DDP, and he gets beats Rage. Oh, and Raven's on the mic. The Raven coming out of a flock, and unbelievably, B. Kidman's still standing, which <laughs> is impressive. When he's saying, if you want a title, come and get it, but obviously the flock's in between them. Paige jumps over the top rope, takes out three members of the flock. And there's Riggs there at the back of the head. Oh! Who's coming out from behind? Well, it's like a fan or something like that in the crowd. And they're trying to get him down. I'm not sure what that is. And the camera cuts away. And now Paige taking out the rest of the flock. <laughs> flock down. Fan down. Fan down. Fan down. And Paige wants Raven. He's going to get him at Spring Stampede. Because we're going to watch WWE Spring Stampede on our next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> But up next, it's a huge match, Dan. Two of our favourites. It's the useless Conan coming out to the awful NWO music. Of course, his buddy Vincent's tagged along. They've still got the same fucking style as theme, Judy. Coming out to Rick and Scott. He left two months ago. (laughs) So two guys that never made a leap to WWE, thank fuck afterwards. It's Steiner. Did you rate them much? I mean, you know my thoughts on Conan. I don't know. He was. I thought he was rather harmless. Useless, you mean? <laughs> well, he was part of uh, the Wolf Pack when they created it. It was quite enjoyable in that. Was he and low? He was went... he low, really? Well, it wasn't so much as the single as the whole. And, you know, he became part of um, LAX on Impact. The, the the thing about Conan is that he could have been a good wrestler, but he's just an arsehole. He could have been a Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I mean, he was a huge star in Mexico, but his ego and stuff like that, and he came over here. Come, come over to their country. No, but you know what I mean? It just didn't, for me, it didn't work. And look at this. Double tick. The match has started, we should say, as a moment ago, at Conan. I mean... Yes, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Oh my god, it's Virgil <laughs> and a million dollar man. <laughs> That's only just actually clicked in my head. <laughs> and going Jesus it. Christ. <laughs> we know the trouble they've had in the past, but now you're Vincent and Ted. 
The referee, oh, fuck off, Conan. She hate it when he says all that. Yeah. Irish trip now, clothesline to Wow, Rick. front roly-poly into a clothesline, James. That has got to impress you. Look, you have to... If you, <laughs> I could do that move, all right? <laughs> Show me saying that I can't do. I can do a roly-poly into a clothesline. <laughs> I can't do a, a, a handspring elbow. Snapmare takeover, leapfrogs over the top, hits him with a lovely dropkick. He just falls down when he hits a move. Look at... Oh, he's mocking the dog-faced gremlin by peeing on him and scratching dirt over to him. That is mockery. And as he's got an armbar in, he repeatedly shouts, Odali! So what are your thoughts on Rick Steiner? Then I thought he was always the Marty Jannetty in the tag team, if you were. Steiner's were never that... I don't hate Rick Steiner. I've never got him. You know, he's always a tag wrestler. And then when Scott went separate ways, it was like, no, no, no. I never really sat down and enjoyed like a single Rick Steiner match. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I really want to see him. Dogface gremlin and whatnot. I mean, his style's okay. Conan tries to nip over. Rick catches him, power slams him down, but doesn't get into the cover. So on the attack goes for the cover on Conan. Oh, but Conan managing to get his arm to the bottom rope. And now poked to the eye by Conan. Irish rip. So slow motion. Oh, but Rick catches him, power slams him. Steiner line. Now might be looking for that second rope bulldog. Vincent up there. Dibiossi brings him down. Right hand. Oh, bulldog from the top. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Yeah. And an NWO member has been beaten. Yes. And Rick Steiner's got the victory. Not the one after his brother that he wants, but against Coast, you know, he beat one member of the NWO. And Ted DiBiase didn't look too bad either, really. Instead of his age, not allowed to wrestle, really, but he stopped his former... Sla- his former... What was it? It was his slave, wasn't it? What the fuck was Virgil to Ted DiBiase? Was pretty much his African-American slave. Yeah, well, wasn't it? A servant? I mean, a servant, but... So being... The world champion is the most important thing a wrestler can do. I thought it was being the leader of the NWO. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe wrong. Of course, we know who the world heavyweight champion is right now, don't we? Sting. Sting, yeah. Where the fuck has he been? And they're building up the paper. You say, Macho's going to be there ready to beat Sting. And then we get the uh, pro video from last week. Of course, we see the Reg, Reg, Red Dodge Viper. Screaming away. No cameras. It's an NWO thing. And there's security. And Liz there. Now look at this. Liz is there. Look at what he look at it, grabs her. Says he's not so macho now, is he? And he's torn his shoulder and he's torn his knee. But they're putting a neck brace on. And it took fifteen minutes to get him in the ambulance. She won't be able to get her drugs tonight. Hospital drugs. Maybe Lex Luger can hook her up. Oh, they're on he's on the stretcher, but it's the wrong way around. Very lucky not brain injury and only his shoulder was affected. Oh yeah, then he's going to hit a tree, dig it. But after this from last week, there ain't no way Macho can possibly be 100% for the world title match. There's a lot of stuff on Nitro that you could flick over to see if what Raw was doing at this moment in time, couldn't you? You know, still, the show stuff from last week, you'd be like, oh, all right, yeah, this might be extra stuff, but... It's just commentators talking at the moment, you know. You really cut it out, another five, five, ten minutes. And the match before that, of course, mm. as well. 
But you, you know, you, you talk about why they lost this, well, why they lost the war, why they lost this battle here tonight. I think we've seen it already. You know, we, we've seen Luger and Bagwell for like the sixth time. They've gone. Can I ask? It may sound like a really weird question, but are there tag team titles in WCW? No, they are. <laughs> but the, the, it's an interesting thing about tag titles because the, the Rick and Scott lost to um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash at Super Bowl when he turned on them. But of course, Scott Hall's not been on TV and they've kind of not even mentioned that. So the tag title has been forgotten about. Nash, of course, has gone into a feud now with Hogan and the NWO and kind of all this thing. And it's like, it's been forgotten about. And every match that's been on Nitro is single matches, isn't it? Yeah, everything has been single matches all the way through. There's no other variation of it. There's no the only women we see are kind of Nitro girls or like scared Miss Elizabeth, you know, and everything else kind of featured NWO. Bagwell versus Luger for like the sixth time we've seen the NWO interference. are kind of not making sense in the Henning and Rude beatdown and the Garter. You know, apart from Jericho and Goldberg kind of be shining lights. Even this main event here of Nash and Sting is exactly what we had last week. You know, so people who maybe stuck around watching Nights for last week, well, it's going to be exactly the same. So we maybe have to do is tune in towards the end. And then at that point, because you're over at Raw, Raw catches you, you know, and then it gets your attention. And we're just seeing, you know, as we're talking, we just, Nitro is on, and it's just a video of Hogan and Nash and the kind of trouble in the NWO. So Pipe wanted it to be Hogan and Nash, because, of course, Hogan left. It's going to be world title on the line. Can Big Sexy become WWE Champion for the very first time? Well, it's the NWO music, which signifies the entrance of the giant killer, Kevin Nash. Nash for life. So Kevin Nash gets another shot at the most petite, at the most prestigious championship in wrestling, the WWE World Title. I mean, for you, what do you like? What do you think means more at this moment in time? You know, 1998 in April. Is it the WWE title or the WWF title? Dan? I think it'll be the WWF title. I don't know. I mean, like I say, the, the history of the WWE title. I mean, you, you count it as like the NWA and what went through it. They say, even Tony says on commentary, you know, it dates back to like 1904. So they're trying to build it up as like the world title. And I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. I think when Hogan was on top, you know, people like San Martino, people like that as champion. But in recent times with Shawn Michaels, has he really carried that title? You know, the WWE title's only been really with Hogan, hasn't it? And since Sting's taken it over, it's not really had the biggest um, kind of limelight. Whereas the WF title now kind of means it's the number one prize, isn't it, in the WF? Whereas the commentators talk about WWE, but the NWO seems to be more important, you know, so I think it's, you know, it's WWE at the moment, but I think, like I say, the tide is turning, you can see it here in abundance, can't you, you know, like, <clears throat> when you talk about championships and wrestlers, you know, some people like Sting, as champion, it's not been what we envisioned when he won it, well, when he did, even when it Starcade, did he, you know, like, even that, even that wasn't done right, led to that uh, rematch with Hogan, and even then with Macho getting involved, and then, this, I mean, the Spring Stampede match, match there's been no build-up whatsoever between those two men, have there? <laughs> Not at all, no. It's, it's been left on the back burner, I suppose. Yeah, they've been more focused on what's going on in the NWO, Nash and Hogan, of course. Oh, wait Nash a snatching the belt from Charles Robinson, raises it too high for Robinson to reach it, but Sting can, and he snatches it from Big Sexy. And the two men go at it straight away. Well, now Sting, who was fired up earlier, we saw when he was coming out with J.J. Dillon. He's backing Nash up in the corner. 
That's always good to see Tin punches in the corner. Nash staggering out. Oh, but Sting clotheslines him back to the corner. Not quite dropping the big man. Big man. Irish whip reverse line. Nash. Oh, Sting looking for the leapfrog over the oncoming Nash, but Nash catches him on his shoulder. Snake eyes. And now Sting's on the second rope. Drops his whole body weight on the back of Sting, who was throat first over the second rope. Don't get me wrong, though. The fans are definitely the fans are definitely into this match. You know, they're definitely into Sting and Nash as performers. I think more so than they are with people like Hogan and Macho and Piper, because we the matter now. You know, Nash and Sting still fresh, even though they play it out a week after we saw it the first time round. But again, it's it's a. If Sting was a long-term champion, it would be people like Kevin Nash who would face for the title, wouldn't it? On pay-per-view as we go along the year. Maybe, hopefully, eventually building up to Goldberg versus Sting match. But Goldberg's not quite there yet, and it is Sting and Nash. Two of the top guys in this company. Yeah, I mean, Nash saying that he wants the title. I mean, yeah, like you say, the Sting's kind of gone into the... Um, <coughs> Sting's a bit on the back burner at the moment, even though he is champion. And Nash kind of taken over from Macho now is trying to take Hogan down. But it seems Hogan is definitely the kind of main focus, isn't he? And then whoever else picks up the pieces behind him, really. Well, he's got about three or four rivalries yeah. going on at once. Now look at Kevin Nash showing his aggressive nature. Yeah, working the knee into the midsection of Sting, who comes staggering out the corner and a big right hand from Nash drops into his knees. All the way, he's just kicking Sting now as he's down, saying, I've got you in control. Nash said last week he had Sting beat. I mean, we watched it. I'm not sure how close he came. You know, talk about outside shenanigans. I think one-on-one, you would hope Sting would be able to beat any member of the NWO, you know? Indeed, yes. And, you know, it's kind of like John Cena going against the Nexus or the core. Mm. It's the baby face going against the the numbers game, basically. This is the NWO never did it. It never got its comeuppance, do you know what I mean? We've seen people like Hogan do stuff and just get away with it countless times and he always get opportunity. Yeah, we've seen Sting going, going for a slam there, but the weight of Nash two back, Nash falls into a cover, but Sting managing to kick out. Ah, we've seen Kevin Nash put the giant on his, nearly break his neck, you know, and uh, Jackknife was banned and instead of uh, being in trouble, he's getting world title opportunities. So must be good to be big sexy at the moment. Well, it certainly goes. <laughs> it certainly goes to show that NWO are running WCW yeah. at the moment. And like we said, talk about you know the problem is that no one ever stopped it. It just kept going and going. There was never a kind of end. It stopped to it. itself. Yeah, but we're going to see it go like now. If the if the members went their own the members, if the the NWO members went their own separate way, it would be fine. Do you know what I mean? Maybe carry on their own stories and do what they do. You can keep Rude and Henning together. You know, Tony can fuck off. You know, Nash and Hall maybe, and then Hogan, Hogan carry on doing what he's doing. But it's... do you think that's do you think that's what went wrong with WCW as a whole? The NWO, it didn't break up. It didn't have its implosion. It, you know, you didn't have these teams going their own separate ways, and the feuds yeah. that could have come off from them. Or do you think there should have been like a Survivor Series type moment where WCW's best went against NWO's best, and it finally ended? The NWO well, for good. Bit, but WWE got an even better concept than that. They've got the, the war games where it's about, two, you know, two or three teams going against each other. 
to find out who's the best. And there's a perfect opportunity there we have NWA versus, like say, the WWE's best versus the NWO's best. But they never did it. They always feuded, you know, turned into themselves. It, what should have happened at Starcase? Sting should have beaten Hogan clean. And then Hogan should have stepped away from being uh, a regular fucking world champion, not a main eventer. He should have walked away. He could have carried on doing his match with Warrior and stuff and whatever else he wanted to do. But just not have the, the WWE. And they should have gone forward with Sting and then bring all these WWE guys. People who were DDP, Benoit... You know, Jericho, Guerrero, and even someone like Raven and his flock tries, you know, or, or tries something different with him. It's a different type of heel. It's not just the kind of same cocky. You know what I mean? All the NWO seems to be cocky, braggadocious type, always posing, always working towards the crowd. But again, saying that, majority of the t-shirts in the crowd. I know it's not really a wrestling t-shirt type era as much as it is now. You know, ninety percent of the t-shirts in the crowd are NWO yeah. black and white. Right now, uh, big match starts, and they were cool. You know, when it first happened in '96, it was cool. Now the question you got to ask yourself: a year and a half later, or nearly two years later, is it still that kind of same freshness and coolness that it was back then? The whole reason Steve Austin's become a success because the way he's he's not stayed the same. If you know, he's got the same kind of attitude, but different things have thrown his way. He's achieved his goal now. That's why WWF are starting to kind of rise in the ranks where they've got the last the roar after Wrestlemania you had a new leader to the nation you had a new leader to DX you had a new resurged LOD it's you know everything's improvement it's going in the way that it should do as opposed to NWO it's staying stagnant it's staying stale it's just having Hogan on the forefront with the numbers game it's got Nash and Hall as like his number twos I know there's a few problems inside the NWO but it's, you know, it's still yeah. the same setup. Yeah, exactly. You, you could tune into an episode of Nitro, not be sure what month or what year it's from at this moment in time, whereas WWF have got the kind of freshness, like you say. You want to see what happens next with Austin. With the NWO, you get to a point where you think, well, at the end of the day, the NWO are going to win this feud, you know, slash match. And at the moment, Nash been in complete control. That looks like Sting's finally getting into it. Managed to fight his way back with a bit of assistance from the crowd. Irish whip and then drop kicks Nash into the corner. Sting a splash to the back of Nash. And Macho Man's walking or limping his way to the ring. He's got his arm in a cast. Oh, he's got yeah, knee ligament damage and put the uh, scorpion deathlock. What's it called? Yeah. And he's got it in and loose distracted referee. And a cast to the back. And look at all this shit and stuff getting thrown in because the crowd are frustrated by this. You know, another bit of interference. Now Nash looks like he's going to win the world title. No, Sting manages to kick out. Uh-huh. And Nash, much uh, and sorry, and Macho Man, much like Nash was wearing a Madness T-shirt, Macho's wearing an Outsiders NWO black that's, and red T-shirt. Yeah, that's, that's, I, didn't, I didn't see that. And now Nash is going to go to Jackknife. Of course, it's not banned anymore. Oh my Hits god! It. Sting's go. down. One. To Bret oh. Hart's pulling. It's a well and truly a screw job. And now, oh, disqualification bell rings. Now Bret's going after Nash because he didn't want to see this anymore. You think I think why would Macho want Nash to win? Because it means he's facing his friend at for the title. Anyway, Bret got Nash down. Sharpshooter. And the NWOC members come down. Vincent and Conan. This is a mess at the moment, isn't it? I mean, look at all this shit. 
and the, and the rubbish fans voted. Brett takes down Vincent and Conan. Oh, God, here comes Scott Steiner and Scott Norton. Well, the B squad have made their way. And now Nash got Sting up. Right on the beer can. Fucking hell. Right on the beer can. Oh, Brett dodges Scott Norton's attack. <laughs> oh, in fact. Steiner closed like that. And here comes the stuff. And at this moment, Brett, Brett fighting off. Most of the NWO, but now the numbers. Heading in there, Brian Adams. Inverted atomic drop for him, though. And Brett is still managing to fight off the NWO. I, I don't even know what people are throwing in. And that's how Brett knocks down Vincent and Adams. Brett stands tall as Nitro comes to an end. I mean... After beating down the whole of the NWO B and C squads. I mean, that won't too bad I suppose that at the end but I mean just a mess of people throwing stuff in and just it's just too much isn't it you know what I mean like, it is far too much yeah I, I, I really don't know what to think the night the war changed for Nitro on that but why well let's jump over now to the uh, WWF Yes, and it is episode 254. And uh, over to WWF, and they were on the cusp of winning a huge battle in the Monday Night War. Well, it's Raw 254, and it is all sixth. Yeah, fuck yes, it. and this episode went down in Syracuse, New York. Jim Ross and Michael Cole calling the action at the top of the show, as usual. They tell us DX in a revised roster of Triple H. China, the New Age Outlaws and X-Pac will be there, as well as The Undertaker, Kane and Paul Bearer. And WWF owner Vince McMahon marches to the ring to loud boos. They also inform us that the Intercontinental title will be on the line when Rocky the Rock goes up against Owen Hart. We'll see footage of Farouk getting ambushed earlier in the day and Luna wrestle a man in the first ever mixed gender match in WWF history. Nobody asked for that, but we're going to see it. McMahon immediately brings up how he had Stone Cold Steve Austin arrested last week. He says he had a second thoughts. He had second thoughts about it and got released that same night. Nonetheless, Stone Cold Steve Austin has learned his lesson, <laughs> and he still learned it the hard way. No longer will Stone Cold Steve Austin be considered a beer swelling, hand gesturing, trash talking, blue collar WWF champion. Because tonight he could very well be the proudest moment I have ever seen in my professional career. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, a new, improved Stone Cold Steve Austin right here in this ring. I'll guarantee it or your money back. So we're going to see a new kind of corporate Stone Cold Steve Austin later tonight. I mean, that'll be interesting. He tosses a mic and leaves the ring. The crowd loudly chants for Austin and the announcer wonders if we'll see a corporate Austin but JR doesn't think it would happen. And JR, I'm with you. Does Austin want to get arrested every week? Exactly. <laughs> then we see a very sweaty Dan the Beast Severin, or Dan the Mustache. <clears throat> we see a very sweaty Dan the Mustache Severin walk to the ring wearing the NWA Heavyweight Championship belt around his waist, joined by Jim Cornette. Actually, they're carrying two title belts each. So I'm kind of forgetting which one's which. Too many belts got many belts. I guess the NWA Championships, I guess that's all the NWA Championships. Who cares, right? Okay, one belt around his waist is a UFC Championship belt. Sue me. 
Well, they show a promo package basically doing the same thing Kevin Shamrock's promos do, highlight what a psychopath this guy is. Once it wraps, Jim Cornette has joined the announce table and Flash Funk has made his entrance. So it's the NWA heavyweight champion Dan the Mustache Severin versus Flash Funk, I guess. Well, they circle each other for a few moments, then lock up, resulting in Funk getting slammed on his face. He tries to escape the waist lock, but just ends up squirming all around the ring until he finally gets to the ropes and the ref breaks the hold. Well, Funk gets thrown into an arm lock, but again makes it to the ropes. He tries to do something, but Severin just tackles him and starts slapping the shit out of him. Literally slapping. It is amazing. Well, he's got the hyperextension of the elbow in and his arm bar is locked in. Well, consider me converted to a Dan Severin fan. Flash makes an attempt to fight back and gets suplexed. Cornette never stops ranting the entire time and Severin lands some weird yet awesome slam, then catches Funk in an armbar. Funk submits to the armbar, they celebrate and the crowd boos. Well, backstage, DX are making a ruckus in a stairwell. Let's just watch this quickly. Yeah, they make ruckus backstage in the stairwell. The show takes a break and when it returns, they make their entrance to what sounds like... Applause? Applause? What's going on? JR explains that X-Puck, by the way, is the athlete formerly known as the one 2 3 kid Just to be clear, they make it to the ring and all four non-China degenerates do the suck-it-chops to huge fireworks. This is the first time we're officially seeing this degeneration acts make their entrance to the ring. And you talk about freshness. We've just come off watching Nitro. Talk about saying new, new group of degenerates, young guys. You know, you talk about the outlaws and, of course, the kids in Triple H. It's exciting times now. Well, DX have promised to raise hell tonight. Apparently, Martin, no comment. But at the moment, you've got no idea what Shawn Michaels is doing. Is he <laughs> is he waiting to come back? You know, is he, uh, is he actually injured as he said he was? It's interesting times. Well, Triple H said he's going to start a revolution. <laughs> well, Triple H says he's totally started a revolution. And Jesse James takes the mic to agree and talk about how young and great everyone in the ring is, which is true, isn't it? You know, little dick. Yes, indeed. And X-Pac is next. X-Pac is next. He says, old men are stinky and DX is young and hungry and you're getting jiggy with it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> he says that. What the fuck? Well, Triple H says, the WF... You want a war? You got it. And ladies, my bazooka is locked, cocked, and ready to unload. And oh yeah, two words for you, boys. Suck, Suck it. it. They said everything, and yet also said absolutely nothing. A great wrestling promo. Well, after another break, Degeneration X is showing backstage fucking with the stagehand. They spray paint him a bit, and just beat the shit up and shove him into a chemical drum. They spray paint a smiley face in it, and next part drums on top of it. <laughs> up next, we have Steve Blackman running to the ring, and Brian, Crisper, Brian Christopher was apparently waiting outside the ring for him because he gets in there and yells at someone to take his jacket. So it is Steve Blackman versus Brian Christopher. And Christopher mocks Blackman's totally mockworthy stick thing. Uh, you know, give or take. And Blackman kicks him in the chest. Tennessee Lee walks down the aisle. Will Christopher and Blackman go back and forth? Lee sits at the announce table and puts on the headset like an idiot. The microphone is supposed to pick up your voice, not your line of sight. <laughs> he promised a big surprise last week and said he's here to deliver it. Blackman stomps on Christopher for a bit. And Lee talks about how excited he is about this surprise. 
He said he's going to bring out Mark Milner and Sawyer Brown to back up Jeff Jarrett in a concert in At Your House. Unforgiven. Can some people? Can someone please look up who these people are? Because <laughs> I don't know. Well, Blackman yells something at Lee, but no one listens to any of it. Lee says he has to leave for some reason, and he walks away from the table to talk some shit at Blackman. Christopher's taking control, so he doesn't even need to interfere. Blackman finally lands a reversal. Blackman finally lands a reversal, then pancakes Christopher and misses the drop kick. Christopher clotheslines him, then goes up for a double a- double axe handle. It gets countered. Christopher submits. Well, Jay, I can't stop. JR can't stop talking about how Blackman's only lost was at the hands of Jeff Jarrett with Tennessee Lee's help. Lee walks back down here. They bring out a real main event star. They bring down the lights. And in a surprise move, he introduces Jeff Jarrett. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Yeah, ain't he great? And then we see why when Jarrett appears behind Blackman in the ring holding a guitar and then smashing it into Blackman's face. Jarrett. And now that was a smash hit. Ain't I great? Well, meanwhile, DX continues their vandalism. Triple H dog dares everyone to pee on DOA's bikes. They take him up on it. And Cole says they think the bikes are fire hydrants. Jesus, Michael. They're people, not animals. Let's take a break. Cactus Jack comes out with a chair and his neck in a brace. Last week, he and Chainsaw Charlie had a cage match to settle a disputed tag team champ from WrestleMania. The New Age Outlaws won. Jack takes a seat in the ring and grabs a mic. And as you see now, very serious about it. He says, I've always taken a lot of chances in the ring and some very bad things have happened to me over the years. But I've always had the comfort of knowing that when I looked at my career, my dreams, the things I've accomplished, the things I've set my heart on, that it was always worth the pain. Some people ask Cactus, you know, how's your neck? And I said, I'll be damned if I'm going to let a group of scum like DX put Cactus Jack away. I guess you see that Terry Funk's not here. And I haven't talked to Terry, but I left a message on his answer machine. And I'm not saying this to sound tough, but Cactus Jack and Terry Funk do not miss wrestling matches. So if I have to guess if the Funk is hurt enough to fly home, then it's probably pretty bad. And I really wish that people could know Terry a little bit more than just what they see in the ring. Because people are always debate on who the greatest wrestler of all time is, but I guarantee you... You ask anyone in the dressing room and they'll say that Terry Funk is the gutsiest old bastard they've ever seen. And I guess you've probably seen Terry's back. And I hope you've seen WrestleMania because it was a tremendous match and I'm very proud of it. And Terry was laying there on the bed with his belt and he said, Cactus, I'm going to be alright because I consider this the last match of my career. See, Terry always wants to retire as a WWF champion. Is he dead? Is that what this is all about? He moves on to talk about an Austin chant that broke out when he was laying on the ground after New Age Outlaws had kicked the shit out of him last week. When I, when I came here two years ago as Mankind, they said, why don't you just be Cactus Jack? Then I came out in tie-dye and some white boots, you know, and he said, why don't you just be Cactus Jack? When I gave you Cactus Jack, I gave you every goddamn bit of energy I had. And when I was laying there helpless... He pauses and rips off his name phrase. That's fucked up. You chanting someone else's name. This is not a knock on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, I'm happy he's champion. He may not admit, but we've known each other a long time and he's been my friend. But what you did to me and Terry Funk laying in the middle of the ring was not only distasteful and disrespectful, it was fucking disgusting. And I'm going to give you a chance to make it up to me because I'm going to accept a group apology right now. Will the fans apologise as a group for cheering Steve Austin? I'm going to guess no. 
Well, I can finally say for the first time after 13 years of blood, sweat and tears that this is not worth it anymore. It's going to be a long time before you see Cactus Jack in the ring again. He drops the mic and slowly picks up the chair and leaves the ring. As he leaves, he takes the mic and thanks everyone who enjoyed a Cactus Jack match. And to the rest of them, he drops the mic again. His voice has been getting sadder and sadder. Ladies, next show video, Supply Balination of Domination. It features Fruit meeting Rock on the way into the arena and attacking him, then getting swamped by the rest of the nation, who beat him with a novelty side wrenches before throwing him into several trucks. They rip his shirt off while the Rock yells at him that he was never the leader of the nation of Domination. Back into the present, you know what I mean? The nation hits the ring and Rock takes the mic. The Rock says, finally, the people champ has returned, returned home to Syracuse. I thought he was from Miami. The show takes a break and when it returns, Owen Hart makes his entrance. So it is the Intercontinental title, the Intercontinental champion, Rocky, The Rock versus Owen Hart, the title on the line. A Rocky sucks chant breaks out and after Rocky complains about it for a moment, they lock up. It goes back and forth a bit while Michael Cole tries to tell JR that he's a bitch for wearing his cowboy hat as originally suggested by Vince McMahon years ago. Cole's been kind of a prick all night, honestly, <laughs> but I must have been ignoring it. <clears throat> anyway, Carmen Mustafa grabs onto Owen's leg and the ref throws out the rest of the nation, leaving Rock all alone against Owen. Well, in sleeper hold, he escapes though and DDT's Owen. He may have just lost his troops, but he's gained control of the match. He lands the people's elbow and makes the cover for just a two. Two. Owen fights his way back in the match, landing multiple clotheslines and a swinging net breaker, but Rock kicks out. Uh. Owen keeps up with ten. Ten. In the corner and a spinning heel kick. Rock almost catches a rock bottom, but Owen escapes and hits an insiguri. Then goes for the sharpshooter. He gets it. This one's over. But it's not. China slides in the ring from out of nowhere. Like an RKO. With a baseball bat and clocks Owen in the head. The ref disqualifies Rock, but Owen's not getting that belt. At the top of the ramp, DX celebrates this fucking with. China drops the bat as she makes it to them and keeps walking. A bit of the old cold, a bit of the cold shoulder comments, JR. Well, it is time for Warzone. Jerry the King Lawler replaces Cole as usual and Vince McMahon enters again. I'm flanked by two police officers and surrounded by booze. Yeah, well, King says he's got a feeling that Stone Cold Steve Austin is about to become Vince McMahon's bitch. He's giddy with anticipation. The man introduces a new and improved World Wrestling Federation champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The music starts and out walks this. What? What the hell? Stone Cold's walking out looking a bit like Donald Trump. He is. He's, he's, I've never seen Steve Austin in a suit. And he's got a little cap on, but his tie as well. He's going to go up second rope. Vince McMahon's telling him no, so he just raises his fist in the air in celebration. Well, the fans cheering him, but again, it's not the Austin they know. Possibly my favourite act, like, angles of all time so corporate Austin but man got his choice he said you're going to do it the easy way do it the hard way Austin's done it the hard way and who would have thought that suited Steve Austin would be here with Vince McMahon they're, they're desperate for him aren't they they're like come on Austin rip that suit and <laughs> McMahon I can't believe it like, no 
it's, it's mental to think that's Steve Austin though in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? Like, just don't look like that. And somehow he left that more loved than he did when he first came out. You know what I mean? Like, it's, talk about cementing a character. Austin, DTA, and he don't change for anyone. Do you not think they could have made it last slightly longer? Do you think that was the perfect amount? You know, just for a couple of weeks. Maybe. Just to see Austin, you know, kind of, you see him, he's going along with what the man says, but you can see it in Austin that he's not really interested in going along with it. And, you know, then it comes out a couple of weeks later. I, I, I most definitely think that. I think the only problem with time-wise is that we just come off WrestleMania and there's a, the pay-per-view coming up that Austin needs a challenger for. So maybe they did do it quickly because they were like, well, maybe we don't want to hurt Austin character and we can set up a... You know, because obviously McMahon now is going to respond to Stone Cold Steve Austin for what he's done. All right, so JR says, my God, Austin's gone corporate. Austin glows to climb the turnbuckle to greet the crowd like he usually does. But my man doesn't want him to mess up his suit, so he doesn't do it. He just raises a fist from the mat. McMahon says, Mr. Austin, I'm overwhelmed. I believe this is the first step in perhaps you becoming the greatest WF champion of all time. This is one small step for Steve Austin, one giant leap for the World Wrestling Federation. And I know this hasn't been easy. I know that, in fact, this is going to take a lot of hard work. There's no question about that. I like to... Can I have your attention, please? Mr. Austin, I would like to thank you because obviously this is a step in the right direction. But you recall the meetings that we had and I, we talked about the attire. We talked about the full attire. Austin's reply was, right, we talked about everything. Austin could not sound more like a robot. And McMahon goes on to say, well, when we had talked about the way you look, we talked about from head to toe, Mr. Austin. Well, Austin says he's just the way he was instructed. This man asked where the Gucci shoes are, and Austin says there were two tights. So he just put on his boots. The man said he's not trying to break Austin's spirit, just mould it a bit. He takes Austin's hat off and tosses it into the crowd. Austin says that was a damn good hat. My man says it just didn't go with a suit. He asked the crowd to give it up for the new and approved Stone Cold Steve Austin. The crowd roars with disapproval. My man asks Austin when he changed his mind about being an insane person. Goddamn kid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you know, when you sit in that goddamn jail cell. Got to go to my team. When you, uh, he says, well, you know, when you're sitting in the jail cell and the walls are kind of closed in around you, they won't bring me my bread and water. And I started thinking to myself, you know, Steve, really, what kind of chance do you have to compete against a Vincent man? I mean, here I am, little old Steve Austin from Victoria, Texas. And then you've got Vincent Mann from Greenwich, Connecticut, a guy born with a silver spoon in his mouth, the owner of a multi-million dollar company, an entrepreneur, a leader. And here I am, a redneck from South Texas who happens to have a belt. The crowd erupts as soon as he calls himself a redneck. He says, this is what I've said to myself in that jail. So I said, Steve, if you, can, if you think you can beat Vincent Mann, give me a hell yeah. And what I had... Before he can even finish, the crowd erupts with a hell yeah. He said, but like I said, I was in a jail cell and I had to say, Steve, hell no, you can't beat Vincent Mann. The crowd boos again and Mitch McMahon practically ejaculates right there. Austin says, you've got to understand the power that a Vincent Mann has and everything that goes with it. Realising that, I'm not going to grovel for you because I'm bending my back as it is. So what I'd like to do, if we can get one of the fine, fine officers of the law to take a picture of you and me together because i got to need me a new suit. We're seeing eye to eye and I just want maybe you and me to take a little snapshot. 
Austin hands a camera to one of the cops and they ask McMahon if he can hold the belt too. They you take the... the old Steve Austin would probably tell you to take this camera and stick it up your ass. The crowd erupts in applause again. That was the old Stone Cold. The new Stone Cold wants you to take the camera and get the film developed because this is the absolute last time you will ever see Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing a suit like this ridiculous son of a bitch I got on. James, you don't have to take your shirt off. I got excited, I got excited. He rips his jacket off and tosses it to the crowd. Underneath his white collared shirt, he wears an Austin tank top. He strips off everything but his black undies, that tank top, and his boots. Austin says, I got one last thing to tell you, Vince. Hell, I said it before to someone else. I'll say it to you. DTA, don't trust anybody. Now, I want you to do is bow down for Stone Cold. He takes a picture of McMahon clutching his nuts and hits the turnbuckle to greet the crowd properly. Austin says, Austin, don't change for no one. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. This is the mic, grabs the belt and leaves. McMahon still rubbing his junk. McMahon is furious and he somehow hits his balls on the ropes on the way out of the ring. It's amazing. Well, JR tells King to go check out McMahon's injury so he'll get a raise. McMahon slowly leaves the ring area while he announces Wonder if he'll retaliate against Austin. Not, not if he'll retaliate against Austin, but if he'll do it tonight. After a break, DOA walks to the ring, which actually looks weird because they always ride their now urine-soaked bikes to the ring. Skull or Eight Ball calls out DX to the ring to face DOA. His voice cracks during his rant, and you can see his contract getting ripped up by McMahon backstage. They leave the ring. Well, Luna heads to the ring, joined by Goldust, in order to compete in the first ever mixed gender match. Goldust immediately clotheslines whatever nobody is in the ring and then drops him on a turnbuckle. Another big clothesline by Goldust. While JR mentioned this is supposed to be Luna who's facing this guy. King says he's just trying to get the guy, Matt Knowles apparently, fired up by beating the shit out of him. The bell hasn't rung yet, by the way, so this is totally fine. Well, it is Luna with Goldust versus the relatively unknown Matt Knowles. The bell rings before Knowles is even on his feet from Goldust closing suplex. Luna closes in on him, slaps him in the face, then flips him on his ass. She flies off the top rope and headbutts him dangerously low, then covers him for the win. Well, thanks for making it easy on me, Luna. Three sentences. The announcer mentions the evening gown match Luna will have with Sable several times, and then they show cuts to another promo for... Hello, ladies. We saw Venus's first such promo last week. This one is just full of innuendo. He mentions Jack Nicholson winning Oscar and how he's got Val. Val's latest movie was as hard as it gets. <laughs> ah, do it, do it. As good as it gets. Once the promo wraps, Sable and Mero walk to the ring. JR tells us DX have accepted DOA's challenge and it will go down before the end of the show. Mero immediately kicks Sable out of the ring saying she's had the spotlight at WrestleMania. Ken Sharrock makes his entrance once she leaves because he's afraid of girls. And it is Mark Mero versus Ken Shamrock. Mero opens up with a punching combo, then misses a clothesline and Shamrock kicks a shit out. Continues back and forth. Well, King says when one DOA member saw their bikes had been pissed on by DX, he said to another guy in the group, which one's mine and which one's urine? King pronounced it urine, which I guess halfway between urine and yours. That's terrible. <laughs> That's almost as bad as your jokes. Shamrock goes for an armbar, but Mero gets to the ropes and the ref breaks a hold. He goes for a hurricane runner, but it turns into Mero's powerbomb. Mero goes here, but Shamrock just decides that's bullshit and belly-to-belly suplexes him instead. Well, the nation and the domination run down to the ramp, 
run down the ramp, but Shamrock sees them coming and slides out the ring to grab a chair and scares them out of the ring before they could do anything. They circle it open to catch Kenny from behind. Well, Mark Henry does hit him from behind, then suplexes him so the whole group can stomp the shit out of him. I'm guessing Ken Shamrock wins by disqualification. Although, three referees are too distracted trying to get D'Lo not to frog splash Shamrock to do anything else. Well, a rock gets a microphone. This is the dawn of a new era. This is a new nation and a new domination. Well, they leave after and an after commercial. Shamrock remains in the ring on his ass. They immediately go to another commercial and then the Undertaker arrives to be interviewed by Kevin Kelly. So you've just seen the Undertaker come out and what a fantastic entrance that is by him. He just sends, sends goosebumps, sends chills down the spine. Well, Kelly asked him if anybody could withstand another match with Kane. Kelly asked him if his body could withstand another match with Kane at the next In Your House event after he went for it at WrestleMania. The Undertaker goes on to say, first thing, what's happened at WrestleMania is Kane found out that I'm not just his brother, I am the Lord of Darkness. And Kane, as big and as strong as you are, you did give me the beating like no one else ever has. But what, do you, what you have is the soul powers the body. Your soul is unpure and mine is... And you were defeated. Well, Kelly repeats Paul Bearer's challenge to the Undertaker for an Inferno match which requires the ring to be surrounded by fire. What we have here are desperate men resorting to desperate actions. But what you have to realise is, Kane, just like when we were children, I beat you at will. Who's will? I don't know, but he sounds quite angry. And whether there's fire around the ring, fire in the ring, fire on me, when it's all said and done, uh, unforgiven, you're looking up at your brother and your body is set on fire. It will truly be the beginning of your internal damnation. Well, the lights go out and Paul Berry is heard over the PA. On the Titan, Tron, he appears with Kane at the gravesite of The Undertaker's parents. Surprise! Surprise! Berry goes on to say, surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise. I wondered how long you were going to go with it. <laughs> go on, sorry. Berry goes on to say, surprise, surprise, surprise. Deja vu, Undertaker. Remember? Just two weeks ago, right here on this very spot where you delivered your Academy Award-winning performance, right at the great poor dead parents. Yes, Undertaker, the mother and father that you murdered, the mother and father that you sent out in a blaze of glory. Yes, deja vu, deja vu, Undertaker. I was sure that you'd die slow, agonising death in In Your House Unforgiven. First, my cane will beat you senseless. senseless. Well, they're at the graveside and Kane now's got a sledgehammer. No! He smashed his tombstone of Undertaker's parents. What did Bera say then? He'll pound your body into the cold, hard ground. And then, dead man, the inferno. He will set you ablaze. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, Undertaker. Then the icing on the cake... The hot, the fire, the hot fire will send you straight to hell. While Bearer continues, Kane pours lighter fluid on the remains of his own parents' gravestones and sets it up. Oh, that is terrible. Look at the Undertaker there. Looking at this abhorrent act and just lowers his head as we go to an advert. Um, We're shocked at what we've just seen. Unbelievable. Um, well, once the show returns, all the D-Generation X enters the ring for their match with D-O-A. 
The announcers show footage almost entirely obscured by censorship logos, logos of Degeneration X peeing on the motorcycles earlier in the show. DOA fly into the ring before they finish playing the footage and begins. And here come the DOA running to the ring, clearing it. Sending Helms the Outlaws running, scurrying away. Well, DOA Kling and X-Pac joins the announcers for some extra commentary. Mm. And of course, we've got Chains, 8-Ball and Skull. And they're going against the representatives of D-Generation X, Triple H, Road Dog Jesse James and Badass Billy Gunn with China and X-Pac at ringside. Or X-Pac on commentary. And we've got the three championship belt holders of DX as well. Yeah, you have tag team champions and, of course, European title, Triple H beating Owen Hart at WrestleMania. Your X-Pac was appearing. <laughs> Road Dog was appearing. <laughs> Billy Gunn was appearing. Hey! <laughs> and they're all much. European on the DOA's bike. That's why we have the match. <laughs> Come on now. Let's, we've got one match in, a, in, a, in an episode of great promos. We're having a match that we're actually going to watch, and it's Rodog's nice leapfrog there. Tried it again. But gets clotheslined by Cat Chains, who tells Rodog to suck it. <laughs> and now the big elbows make that three in a row now. Building some momentum. And Rodog getting beaten pillar to post. Oh, and a big clothesline by Chains. Oh, and Rodog <laughs> runs over to Billy Gunn and hugs his crutch. Well, he's Mr. R, so he's protective, I suppose. But does that constitute a tag if you, you know, touch the member? I believe. Well, <laughs> he must have touched his member. Because well, Billy Gunn is coming in the ring. <laughs> well, he's in now. This is like a fucking Val Venus promo, isn't it? I know, yeah. In your endo. In your endo. I know, And look at Billy. He's ripped. Dodged a kick there by 8-Ball and or Skull. Oh, JR's not sure either, so that makes me all right. He thinks it's eight ball, <laughs> but it might be skull. Who knows? Billy backed up in a corner. Billy backed up, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget at WF next pay-per-view. It's going to be the Outlaws versus LOD 2000, the tag titles. Lovely swinging neck breaker by a DOA member. And now the other brother's coming in <laughs> to work on Billy. Either skull or eight ball. Well, Billy dodges them both. So we've got eight ball and we've got six ball on commentary. <laughs> yeah, he had, a, he had an eight ball before he came out, did a six ball. <laughs> Road dog looking for the tag. Triple H, not really desperate going in, but there's a lot on the line here. He's built up this group, hasn't he? He said they're going to be new and improved. He's seen their shenanigans in the night, but can they back it up in the ring? Well, so far, they are not. No, and Shawn Michaels, of course, not, not commenting on anything that's happening. But you can see with Raw, you know, even noticing the arena looks really small, doesn't it? You know, like, yeah. doesn't look as impressive as we saw on Nitro. And Billy now finally hanging up 8-ball and or slope. Tags in Triple H. Well, the leader. And Road Dog holding 8-ball skull in the corner. And now Triple H stumping a mud hole. And walking it dry. And now look at the outlaws as Triple H distracts the referee. And now Skull trying to fight out. Irish whip. Oh, gets caught with a knee by Triple H, so tags in Road Dog. Well, they're working like a good team, aren't they? Road Dog now. Shake, rattle, and knee drop. Quick tags, and now go back to submission, knee in the back. He's fights, Road Dog took a bit of punishment earlier. But you've got to remember, this is the first time they're actually teaming together in a match. Yeah, fucking hell. You know, the New Age Outlaws, they're a, they're a bit of an established tag team, but 
you know, throwing in a third wrestler into the mix and DOA have been together for a long, long while. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? DOA would be so boring with uh, people like Savio Vega's group and like Truth Commission and now finally we've got an exciting group like DX and it is, unfortunately, a lot of people like DOA they have to feud with but this is the brilliance of it because, of course, we've got the nation coming up as well on the other side, haven't we? And you know that's going to be building and then we're going to have the Triple H and kind of rock rivalry that starts from that but back from the break, Triple H... Doesn't for some reason he doesn't make the cover then. Eight ball doesn't or skull. <clears throat> well, during the break, chains went over and tried to mess with X Pack. I don't think that was a good idea because Charlie's ringside. That's <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that. Oh, chains gets the tag in like Triple H can't stop him. Oh, and chains is running through the whole lot of DX. The other two members of DOA recover, trying to get some retribution for having their bikes peed on earlier. Yeah, road dog clothesline out the ring. And Chains choking Triple H. Well, Billy Gunn's been taken out of the ring as well. And that's turned out to an all-out war. Irish whip of Triple H. Big boot. Triple H barely able to recover. Gets Irish whipped. Oh, power slam. But Billy Gunn breaks up before the referee can even make a one count. One. And now before four. the referee can make a one count. <laughs> before. And now Billy gets Irish whipped and backbreaker, but gives Triple H a chance. Oh, pedigree locked in. Oh my God! Chains lands right. Chains And a free count for Triple H and gets the victory for DX. If yeah, eight ball skull there should have seen that. They saw the pedigree happening and then turned the back to it. And what oh, the fuck is looking for a chair? Finally gets one. The road dog's got a chair as well. Oh my God! Right, ball and skull hit with chairs. <laughs> well, DX said we're going to raise hell, and I think they have. We've seen what they've been doing. They're not finished yet. And Chains hit straight in the head. And Triple H throws eight out of the ring. And Chains, so-called leader, is really struggling now. Billy Gunn's got him. He's got him up for the pile driver. Oh! Oh, pile driver's him onto the chair. And now they've got Chains and they're tying him up to the ring ropes. The same thing they've done to Terry Funk last week at a steel cage. And this is a real assault DX show. What kind of criminals they are here. Look at X Pac with the kicks. Oh, wait a minute. LOD 2000 come down to the ring and make the save. Sonny's out here as well. Maybe she's going to look to take on China. Look, the eight ball skull recovered now. Finally, Outlaws. And this is last night show where everything went mental. Yes, well, DX were right. Hell has been raised. I noticed China's not hurting anyone. No, China's just. Biding her time. Well, we end the show there. And that was mental. But I tell you something, the, the matches weren't great. But the promo, I mean, that Steve Austin promo alone, it's just fucking brilliant, wasn't it, you know? That was absolutely perfect, yeah. I think it could have been played out a little while longer. But, you know, it's it's progression. Yeah. Um, you talk about progression, Dan. Well, Raw 255, April 13th, the following week. We talk about our night show. It's a night the war changed because this is the first time in like 82, it's the first time in 82 weeks that Raw beats Nitro in the ratings. Is why? Well, we're going to watch now and find out. Well, it is episode 255, the night the war changed. Raw opens with a recap of Stone Cold Steve Austin going corporate last week for all the two minutes. It's accompanied by some Michael Cole narration and a song I think might be in one of the Batman movies. Hey, who knows? Anyway, we're in Philly for this week's show with Jim Ross and Cole at the announcer's table. 
JR says this crowd is jacked and Austin is going to be here tonight to settle his issues with Vince McMahon. Well, we waste no time as the glass shattering of Austin's theme interrupts JR and out walks the WWF heavyweight champion to some loud applause. What I want to do right now is get something straightened out between Stone Cold Steve Austin and one Vince McMahon. Vince, you might as well bring your ass down here right now because you know I'll sit in this ring all night until you do come out. I'll hold up the whole damn show and I'll give you this. If you come out, I'll give you my word. I won't knock your damn lights out. I just want to talk to you man to man. That's it. So bring your ass out. Austin waits about five seconds, but Vince doesn't walk out. I know somebody in Philly has got a cold beer for Steve Austin. Because if I'm going to wait, I want to drink a beer while I'm doing it. Vince, come on out. If I got to, I'll take a nap in the middle. I ain't going nowhere till you come out because as a World Wrestling Federation champion... I'm not going to have you telling me every single week what I can and what I can't do. I ain't going to wear your stupid little suits. I ain't going to do none of that. Another thing I'm not going to do is get out of this ring until you come down here. So come on, Vince. And finally, lurking in the shadows, Vince appears. Ah, he has backup. Well, those two guys, of course, are Pat Patterson left, the first ever Intercontinental Champion. They stop at the top of the ramp. Vince turns and motions to people backstage. Two cops in right gear come out and walk to the ring with Vince and his buddies. They get in the ring as Austin tells the cops if they get too close, he's going to put those sticks somewhere they won't like. Austin then demands Vince to tell him who he will fight on the next pay-per-view, since Vince McMahon seems to be withholding that information. McMahon says, well, I haven't made up my mind yet. Austin goes to say, you haven't made up your mind yet. So basically what you're saying is, you just ain't going to tell me, are you? I wouldn't exactly put it that way. I just uh, haven't made up my mind. It takes great deliberation. Basically, you're not going to tell me who I'm fighting in the next pay-per-view. Is that correct? You'll know soon. All right, I'll tell you what I do know soon and what I do know right now. I can see by the way, every time you set your beady little eyes on me, that you can't stand anything about me. You can't stand the fact I like to drink a few beers. Damn right. You can't stand the fact that I use... Damn right. You can't stand the fact that I use colourful language. Shit. Yeah. I should be reading along with you, shouldn't I? You can't yeah. stand the fact that I do this every now and then. I'm giving James the middle finger. You don't like what you don't like what that I dress. You don't like you don't like the way that I dress. You're probably upset that I cut the sleeves off this shirt. And on the other hand, every time I sit here and listen to you talk about what a World Federation champion is supposed to be. According to you, it's supposed to be someone with an Ivy League. Ivy, it's supposed to be someone with an Ivy League education. It's supposed to be someone who speaks the proper language and never ever uses a four-letter word, and certainly is not someone who uses the sign language that Stone Cold uses. I can accept the, that fact. You want someone with polish and manners, someone that holds his head up like you've got a silver spoon in your mouth. But that just ain't me. But the more and more I think about it. What that sounds to me is that Vince McMahon wants to be a w- wants a WWE champion is someone not just like yourself, but it sounds to me like you want to be the WWF champion. Is that right? Holds the mic in front of McMahon's face. He smirks for us. He smirks. No, James. He hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He just smiles for a split second and does a dramatic gulp, but says nothing. Every time you lay out a description, it fits you to a T. Do you not want to be the w- do you want to be the WWF champion or not? Where where are you going with this? A couple of weeks ago, when you came down with his new belt, 
I'm sure before I took this belt from you, you walked around your house in your little pyjamas on and you had this belt strapped around your waist and you said to your wife, honey, how do I look as a world champion? And she probably said you look like a jackass because you do. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do tonight. I know as a promoter, you always love the fact every time a WWF champion puts his title on the line. So tonight, Philadelphia! Ah, sorry. So tonight, Philly! Here on Raw, I'm putting a WWF title on the line. Vince looks confused and nervous. I say, we, we talk about Steve Austin. What a phenom on the microphone. The way he did the, the, the promo he did last week of the I will never ever. And now this week, you can't stand the fact that you hate. The amount of times we've seen that in, in videos going forward. And look at the man's face now. The dramatic gulp. Can't believe what Austin's doing. You know, this is stuff that <laughs> I think they want to see Austin McMahon here tonight. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Don't ever turn your back on me because you never know. I might just give you my word and I wouldn't hit you. Don't ever turn your back on me because you never know. I know I gave you my word. I wouldn't hit you. I just might... I just might know your damn... I just might... I just might knock your damn head off. You're probably wondering, well, Steve, who's going to be your opponent? The way I look at it is there can only be one opponent for Steve Austin and that is Mr. Vince McMahon. Well, Vince shits himself. The crowd goes nuts and Austin asks them for a hell yeah if they like to see the match. They oblige. Austin asks Vince if he accepts, but he says nothing. Well, let me put it this way. You can do things the easy way or we can do things the hard way. Some of these people like when I do things the hard way, so tell me what you're going to do. Well, man says, give me some idea of what the easy way is and what the hard way is. What's your definition? I'll tell you what the easy is. The easy is for you to handpick any WWF official back there Come back to the ring and fight Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF title. I'm giving you a chance to win it all, to win the WWF title. The fact of the matter is I could probably beat your ass with one hand tied behind my back. Now, if you don't choose to do things the easy way, then we can certainly do things the hard way. What's the hard way, Mr. Austin? The hard way is this. I done told these people it's going to be Austin McMahon. While doing things the easy way, you've got a chance to win a WWF title. To do things the hard way means I'm going to handpick one of these WWF cameramen. I'm going to take him backstage to your office and I'm going to beat your ass in front of the world anyway. You've got to stop. This ain't going nowhere. Do things the easy way, you've got a chance of winning a bout. Do things the hard way and you've got a... Do things the hard way and you've got... An... Do things the hard way. All you've got to do is get your face swell shut. Either way, you look at it, I'm going to give you 30 minutes to make up your mind. 30 minutes, no more, no less. You make the decision, the easy way or the hard way. I ain't going nowhere. And if you think you're going somewhere because you're dead wrong, your limo driver's been beat up and your limo got flat tyres. This is amazing. Just look at my man. He doesn't know whether to shit his pants or shit his pants. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, <laughs> talk about between a rock and a hard place, Stone Cold Austin, not getting the answers he wants, his challenge... Vince McMahon here tonight. Austin gets back in McMahon's face, but the cops and his cronies break it up. Austin does not give a fuck. Well, after commercial, Briscoe and Pat's in a backstage of McMahon's dressing room, which for some reason he has, for which for some reason he has, pumping him up. They say they know he can beat Austin, who's been making fun of Vince, making a fool out of him, according to Patterson. They tell him this is the only chance to end this whole mess. Bisco says Vince has broke the rest of them, meaning other unruly wrestlers apparently, so he can break this one. We agree. <laughs> we 
We think Vince can hold his own in the ring. <laughs> really, we want to see Vince in a wrestling match against Stone Cold Steve Austin because we think it will be an evening and we have no idea who should win it. <laughs> well, back in the arena. Oh, sorry, you're a bit there, isn't it? Back in the arena, the Generation X theme song starts and Cole says later tonight, Owen Hart is going to challenge one of them to a fight. Cole still isn't sure why DX is walking to the ring, though. Oh, that's because there's a match about to start. That would have been nice to know before the theme started. So it's going to be Skull and Eight Ball with Chains versus Savio Vega and Jose Estrada Jr. The match starts and it's a chain match, which is not a real thing. DX stands at ringside laughing and telling us to suck it. Cole says all four men are chained to a turnbuckle and they have to win by pinfall. The chains are pretty long. As Vega, one of the bald guys, leave the ring, there's still plenty of chain left for Savio to try and whip a good chunk of it against the bald guy's bald head. Well, outside the ring, Chains and Billy Gunner going at it. Triple H hits Chains with a chair from behind, but Chains stands right back up, and then he gets hit in the head with a chair from x Buck. Gunn lifts Chains up, and Helmsley hits him in the back with a chair again. Also, the cameras are completely focused on this scrum outside the ring. All men in the actual match could be dead for all we know. Helmsley pedigrees Chains onto a chair, DX lift chains up some more, so this time Road Dog Jesse James can pile drive him onto a chair. Well, back in the ring, nothing's going on. DX get the ring and start beating on Scar and Eight Ball. Well, DX and Los Brucas team up on Scar and Eight Ball. Ref calls for the match to end, and JR said he must have called for a no contest since there are no disqualifications in a chain match. DX tell the Brucas to do the suck it motion, and they're a little hesitant. Let's see if they do it. So, DX have definitely got a problem with the DOA, haven't they? <laughs> I'd say so, yes. Are there two new members of DX? Oh, maybe so. The fans chant for a later cup. Well, they made the save last week. We've not seen a match like this before or since. Will they do it? Will Jose and Jose B? No, so will Savio and Jose do it? They do. And oh. China gives them a double low blow. She didn't suck it, but she punched it instead. Yeah, and now DX beat the shit out of Los Barucas. Oh, my God. And DX stomps the living fuck out of them. Well, that was expected, yet yeah, still great. I know, you got to love DX. When backstage, McMahon, Briscoe and Patson are still mulling over Austin's threat. And they're with a young man, we're told, is Shane McMahon, Vince's son. He reminds his dad of a valuable life lesson. When Shane was riding a motorcycle going 100 plus, well, then the story ends. Shane is against <laughs> his dad, his, Shane is against his dad fighting in the match. Not sure what the motorcycle thing was about. After a commercial break, Vince McMahon makes his way to the ring. Apparently, he's interrupting a tag match of light heavyweights who don't matter. No. So here's McMahon. Grand popping it as well. It's the first time Vince McMahon's had a cheer. Yeah, I know. And this is it. We've been told it's Austin McMahon here tonight, and that's getting people tuning in over Kevin Nash versus Sting for the uh, world title night show. Indeed, yes. McMahon well, said, do you want to do the McMahon one? Or? I was going to say, well, what did McMahon have to say, James? Well, he said, for over 50 years, the World Wrestling Federation has been part of my heritage, from my grandfather to my dad to me. And I hope that heritage continues on with my son and daughter and their children and Triple H. And each succeeding generation thereafter. The World Wrestling Federation has always been about honour and integrity. Qualities that are sorely lacking in our current World Wrestling Federation champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin, because he has no honour. Stone Cold Steve Austin has no integrity. And I know that decision I'm, hit, I'm to make here tonight blows who preceded me. 
But nonetheless, sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And so to an answer to the question, will I fight Stone Cold Steve Austin in the ring tonight? The answer is, oh, hell yeah. Ho. Lee. Shit. Yeah, Austin McMahon. Well, Pats and Briscoe walk out to congratulate Vince. I am shaking. Well, Patterson and Briscoe walk out to congratulate Vince. I'm shaking. I'm so excited right now. JR and Cole think Vince is nuts and he's going to get hurt. Um, that's the point, JR. He says, uh, that's the point. Uh, that's the point. JR says he's going to make sure this match doesn't happen. He gets up from an announcer's table and makes his way to the ramp before JR starts up the ramp. The lights go out. Uh-oh. Oh, wait, it's a bait and switch. The Undertaker's bell hits and he walks out at this current rate. The light heavyweight tag match is going to be pushed back to next week's show. Seriously, these guys are still in the ring. So JR makes his way up the ramp as the Undertaker comes down in the ring and he is taking out all of these light heavyweights. Scott Taylor going up for the tombstone. Oh, good night. And there's Brian Chris saying, that's too much. That's not too cool. <laughs> Hey, El Plantera, calm down, buddy. Nobody's here to see you. No, the Undertaker's cleared the ring of the light heavyweights. The Undertaker says, Kane! Kane! The Undertaker says, Kane, it's time for your big brother. Kane, it's time for what evil's all about. No longer are you the hunter, but now you are the hunted. Now I can feel your presence in the building. And this night will go on for eternity until you show your face. It's time, Kane, to come out from the darkness. Yeah! The Undertaker's theme starts back up, but he stays in the ring. The lights stay on, the camera zooms in on the top of the ramp, and some smoke is coming out of it. And it's time for a commercial. Well, after the commercial, a sombre Kevin Kelly is backstage outside McMahon's dressing room, yet not to explain why the owner of the company gets a dressing room and an office. He says during the break, they filmed a clip which turns out to be Patson and Briscoe arguing with Shane and JR about whether or not Vince should fight. Vince in the background taking a piss, maybe? Possibly, yes. Never mind, he's pacing. He breaks up the argument and tells Shane to go to the car and get his bag. What could Vince in... What could Vince have in his bag? Maybe a better recipe. Maybe Max Mini. Anyway, it's time for things to come to a halt, I mean. Tennis City is in the ring to bring out Jeff Jarrett. Some flyers throw Jarrett fall from the ceiling, and by some, I mean so many, they continue to fall well after the match begins. So our match is Jeff Jarrett with Tennessee Lee versus Taka Mishinoku. Well, while the match is going on, Cole conducts an interview with Steve Stage. Cole asks if tonight is the night Blackman gets revenge on Jarrett, who smashed a guitar on his head last week. He's been taking it to him lately. Blackman says maybe tonight, maybe next week, maybe Unforgiven because revenge is sweet. Why does this guy get to talk? Anyway, the match goes on for a minute or so. Tacker knocks Jarrett out of the ring and wants to run and jump off the turnbuckle to body splash Jarrett. But Lee climbs up the steps outside the ring to stop Tacker. They argue for a few seconds and that group of Asian wrestlers attacked Tacker a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks back, runs to the ring and attacks again, disqualifying Jarrett. JR says they're called Club Kamikaze because, of course they are. <laughs> Jarrett gets back in the ring and locks a figure four on and has already knocked out Taka. Some rest run in to break it up and check on Taka. 
Well, backstage, Stone Cold is hanging out and ready to talk. JR asks if he's surprised Vince has accepted. Well, Austin says, no, I'm not really surprised at all because I didn't give him much of a choice. He could either get his ass beat in a dressing room or in the ring. He made his choice. I've got to question his advice. I think it was bad advice, but I said at the beginning of the show I was going to get this thing settled one way or the other, and that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be settled here tonight, and that's the bottom line. I think it was settled on that night, to be fair, but hey. After a commercial break, Vince is in a sweatshirt with Patterson and Briscoe, who are going over how to stop the Stone Cold Stunner. The key is when Austin tries to kick you in the stomach, move and grab his leg like this. Oh, right. <laughs> Fucking hell, Dan. Careful. Jesus Christ. Well, JR talks some more about what mistake the man is making. He's cut off by some rap music. Hey, Fruit walks out. He's got his midsection all wrapped up after the beating of the Nation of Domination gave him in the parking lot last week. Don't forget that. He calls out the rock. He says he knows he's in the building. Fruit said he's going to take more than that to kick his ass. And he's going to give him a chance to finish the job right now. Nation come out and the Rock said he's got a big hand and he's going to lay the smack down on Farouk. Well, Steve Blackman and Ken Shamrock walk out and stand at the top of the ramp. They run at the Nation who runs towards the ring where Farouk attacks the Rock and things get nuts. Well, a bunch of WF officials run out to break things up. Marshall Terry Funk walks to the ring, grabs a mic and says he's here to announce a new partner since Cactus Jack waddled out of the ring last week. Funk says his new partner is hardcore, but Mr. McMahon has never given him a chance. As Funk says, it's time to bring out the funk. It's Flash Funk. This is my dream tag team. Terry Funk and Flash Funk versus Quebecers, Jack and Pierre. Flash Funk runs to the ring and Funk too. And, uh, and Funk... Flash Funk runs to the ring and Funk start things <laughs> off. But Pierre is tagged in shortly, and this one starts. Also, Jerry the King Lawler joined the broadcast team at some point. He says he came out early because he's so excited for the McMahon title match. Flash comes in and beats on everyone until Pierre belly-to-belly suplexes him off the top rope. The Quebecers go for some tag move where Jack flips Pierre off the top rope onto their opponent, but Flash moves out of the way. Also, the announcers are calling Flash Spunk. Spunk. <laughs> Mark Tardis. Also, the announcers are calling Flash Funk by a new name, Too Cold Scorpio. Well, Too Cold Scorpio covers Pierre, and the Funk brothers win their first match as a team. Well, JR says it's time for a commercial, but he's interrupted by Luna. For some reason, the show lets Luna into the ring and talk instead of going to commercial. She talks about Sable for a few minutes. She wants to settle their feud right here, right now. And JR isn't sure if Sable's even here tonight. Well, we get the Warzone opening titles. And after a commercial break, Sable's music starts, and it looks like she's put on... Uh, Dan, what do you mean by that? Well, look at her. She looks bigger. <laughs> well, just kidding. That's gold dust. He walks to the ring. Luna tackles him and rips his dress off, showing the real Sable, wherever she is, what's to come at Unforgiven. Oh, God, I thought you were calling her for good. It was just gold dust. All right. Oh, there's Sable. She runs to the ring and attacks. How sexy. Bunch break it up immediately. NWA Tag Team Champions, the new Midnight Express, Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart with Dan the Mustache Chevron and Jim Cornette versus Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman. Not for the titles. No, well, Shamrock and Mustache get in each other's faces in the middle of the ring, but Cornette tells Mustache to leave the ring. The ref actually makes Mustache leave the ring altogether. Bob lands a drop kick on Blackman and he turns things around briefly with Big Spinebuster. The Express take back over. 
and some nice teamwork to beat on Blackman and keep him isolated in their corner so he can't make a tag. Eventually, though, Blackman tags in Shamrock and he goes wild for a bit. Woo! He beats on both champs and connects with a massive power slam on Bob. Shamrock hits a belly-to-belly suplex on Bart and Blackman lands a karate kick on Bob. The ref sounds for the bell and, and the announcer says both teams are disqualified somehow. Well, it's slightly disappointing that Shamrock didn't murder the referee this go around. Well, backstage, Patterson and Briscoe are still pumping up my man and Kevin Kelly is standing there smirking. He's not smirking, Dan. He's trying to interview the man who's getting his ass kicked by Steve Austin later tonight. After a break, Kelly interviews Vince, asking him if he's nervous. Vince says he has butterflies in his stomach. Man says, I proved I wasn't afraid of the United States government and I'm sure not hell afraid of Ted Turner and Time Warner. I'm not afraid of the big bad wolf and I'm sure as hell not afraid of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, back in the ring, the headbangers are making their way to the ring. The lights go out and Undertaker's music starts. He walks into the ring and the headbangers attack. Undertaker fights back though. Tombstone's one of the bangers and chokeslams the other. Well, the lights go out and Kane music starts. Kane and Paul Bearer walk out, but they stay at the top of the rank. Bearer says, Well, 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 so you want your little brother, do you, rigor mortis? So you can wait until in your house unforgiven, can you? I'll tell you what, dead man, you want to fight your own flesh and blood, you can do it on Paul Bearer's terms. This is the way it's going to be. Next week on Monday Night Raw, you're going to face your brother. You're not going to face him inside the ring. You're going to meet me and you're going to meet your little brother in the cemetery. You're so worried about your dead mama and daddy. I think about what you're doing. And you can fight your brother right on their damn grave. And we'll just leave you right there and send you back to hell where you belong. Kane will be there. Will you? Where are Kane and the Undertaker's parents buried so they can keep going to the gravesite every week? <laughs> the third promo for Val Venus says, this time he's with two ladies that he most definitely had sex with. Y'all. Yeah. Smooth. DX come back out before they say anything. Owen music, Owen music heart starts. DX come back out before they say anything. Owen Hart's music starts and he walks out to the top of the ramp. He wants to know which degenerate is brave enough to step into the ring with Owen. Triple H said he had every member of DX write a 500-word essay about why they should be picked to kick Owen's ass. And he said he's fed them all, and Badass Billy Gunn won the contest because he put his essay in a binder and drew a picture of Owen fucking an animal. Not sure how many words that counts for. <laughs> Owen walks to the ring, but before he gets in it, LOD2000 walks to the ring. Yeah, and backstage Vince is getting ready. So it is Badass Billy Gunn with Triple H, X-Pac, Road Dog, Jesse James and China versus Owen Hart with Hulk, Animal and Sonny. Well, after commercial break, this match kicks off ah. with Helmsy and X-Pac joining the broadcast team. King asks about the time and Helmsy says for enough money, he'd get Vince, he'll get Vince's back. X-Pac makes a few WWE jokes, uses some catchphrases from the popular wrestlers. He also calls Owen Hart Owen Fart, which King loves. Meanwhile, in the ring, Hart delivers a spinebuster and sets Owen up for the sharpshooter. Hart delivers a spinebuster and sets Owen up for the sharp, and it's mm, Hart delivers spine. Sp- Hart delivers a spinebuster and it sets him up to put the sharpshooter. China gets in the ring apron and Owen lets go a gun and walks over to where he yells at and gun runs up from behind and clotheslines him out of the ring. Gun distracts the ref while Helmsley says he'll be back in a minute and leaves the announce table to attack Owen. Right when he gets there, LOD does as well. After a break, Owen and Gunn are back in the ring and Helmsley is back at the announce. 
JR says there won't be any commercial breaks the rest of the night. Seems crazy since there's like 17 minutes left in the show. Anyway, Gunn connects on a big power slam and celebrates. Owen scores a roll-up cover and steals the victory. Backstage, Vince is ready for battle. And here we go, Dan. It is it's Austin versus McMahon. Yes, and they walk out to the ring with no music. Shane McMahon walks out later and pleads one more time for his dad not to wrestle. Vince doesn't listen. It's the WF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon with Briscoe, Patterson, Slaughter and Shane McMahon. Sorry, who? Sergeant S. Laughter and Shane McMahon for the WF title. Patterson, Briscoe and Slaughter. Sorry, Patterson, Briscoe and S. Laughter get in the ring, standing behind Vince while McMahon and Austin go nose to nose. Austin looks around and smirks. No, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And Vince slaps him. Oh, man, get ready. Oh, my God, it's happening. My man gets a microphone and says, Austin said earlier he could beat Vince with one hand tied behind his back. Well. Briscoe goes to tie Austin's left arm behind the back, but my man says, no, do the right arm, the stunner arm. (laughs) Austin's a little hesitant, and Vince eggs him on, asking if he's got any guts. He does, and the right arm gets tied behind his back. Well, Austin gets on the mic to ask the crowd for a hell yeah if they want him to beat McMahon's ass. They give him one, and a hell yeah. McMahon, if you think Vince McMahon can beat Stone Cold Steve Austin's ass with one hand tied behind his back, give me a hell yeah. Well, this is outstanding. Vince was so happy when he said that. Briscoe puts a mouthpiece in Vince's mouth. (laughs) They get ready to fight, and dude love theme starts, and he walks out and asks... Why can't we all just get along? He gets in the ring and says, while he and Austin are close, he can't let him fight McMahon because McMahon writes the checks that allow Dude Love to live the life that Dude Love likes to live. McMahon shoves Dude to the ground. He gets up to say McMahon just made the biggest mistake in her life. He tries to run him call Vince to the corner, but McMahon is putting up a fight. The ref breaks it up and Austin runs over to break things up. He ends up with a mandible claw. Austin is out for a minute or so, gets up and Dude Love attacks him. Vince leaves the ring and has to be held back from Austin getting in the ring. Dude looks on the ma- look. Dude looks the mandible claw back on Austin. Well, Dude Love grabs the mic and tells the man to get in the ring because he's got more where that came from. Outside of the ring, Austin tries to defend himself, but Dude throws him into the crowd barrier and into a cameraman. This one ends with Dude giving Austin the mandible claw on top of the announce table. So let's just fucking. So this is a, this is when it, the the war changed. Basically, this is the. Uh, the moment it did, you know, like Raw had been behind and with this segment or slash match with Mr. McMahon. Uh, well, Mr. McMahon, he does look quite jacked, quite pumped. Look how young Shane looks, 20 years ago. He doesn't want his dad to fight in this one. Who could blame him? Going against the toughest son of a bitch, you know? God damn. So Steve Austin's out here to go one-on-one with Vince McMahon. Match we thought we'd never see. And he's got he's got a face. Well, we don't know who's facing at the pay per view in thirteen days' time. Well, it might be Vince McMahon facing him if he wins the title, James. So Austin hands over the uh, WF title to Mike Kyoda, maybe for the last time, possibly. So over on Nitro right now, it's been three hours long, and they've got Sting, Nash, McMahon, Austin. Now, you watching Dan? If you had a choice, oh, back Austin then. McMahon. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? And look at him looking at a championship belt, seeing if it fits around his waist. I think McMahon's in great shape. He's in incredible shape, yeah. Well, King can't believe it. No one can. 
McMahon, Austin. Austin, Austin McMahon. Steve and Vince. Vince, Vince and, and Steve. Steve. The chairman, the rattlesnake. The rattlesnake, oh. the chairman. And McMahon just slapped the taste out of Austin's mouth. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> Steve Austin's like, God damn, kid. Oh, here we go. Oh, what the fudge? Whose music's that? It's the dude. It's the dude stuff. Well, we saw Cactus Jack McFoley, and it was saying, well, we saw Cactus Jack, didn't we, last week? So you wouldn't see him for a while, and. Now it's dude love. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! Well, he tries breaking it up, and dude love puts the mandible claw on Austin instead. And why is dude love attacking Austin? My man seems shocked by it. The crowd don't like it, and Austin in trouble. My man's even saying what? <laughs> Oh my god, what's that trick he's doing there? That was voodoo. Who do? You do. Dude loved you. Dude loved it. Well, McMahon's left. I guess the match never officially started, but what the heck is going on there? <laughs> McMahon wants to go and help Austin. Oh my god. Dude has stolen McMahon's thunder. WCW thunder. Stolen. <laughs> and Austin assaulted there. My man wants back, but I mean, this this asks so many questions, doesn't it? You know, two weeks for a paper. What is going to go on? We'll find out on the next Raw. Unfortunately for everybody, though, that is going to be the next podcast that we do. Well, the next podcast we do will be a WCW Spring Stampede 1998. That's one five five Part 2. Two. Part three will bring you two more Raws, two more Nitros as well, wrapping up April. And of course, the results from Unforgiven as well. But uh, we just talk about TV ratings here, and let's talk about the nights that changed, well, the, the days that changed Raw. Uh, so, Nitro for the fourth, no, sorry, the sixth of April got 4.6, and Raw scored a 4.4. So, very, very close there in the ratings. Um, Raw, though, the night it won, 4.6. Tonight's race 4.2. So they uh, beat him by a fair bit then? Yeah, a fair bit for a few people wanted to see Austin. But could my, uh, could Raw continue this momentum? You know, could they continue to winning the ratings? Or would WSW come back even stronger? We'll find out in the next couple of podcasts. Well, that's it, Dan. What are your thoughts on everything we've seen here today? Well, while the WWF and Raw have changed direction for the better, I think WSW is still... Trying to go in the same direction unrelentlessly. Uh, I agree with you. Like I say, a new freshness for the WF product. The attitude here is coming. And uh, with Nitro, it's just same old, same old. You can't differentiate it from the other. But Nitro, can it respond? This is the questions we ask ourselves. But Austin's awesome, isn't he, on, on Monday Night Raw? The same with man. Is the promos are great. The matches, not as much. But this is like they've got work on. But definitely the storyline's going on. It makes you want to tune in to, to Raw and, and catch everything, really. Uh, but that is it. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at WW Network Review or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Roland's Google platforms. 
WWE Network Review on Google Plus. Send us an email at WWPodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. We've got clips on there. Podcasts go at the same time to do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Also, don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud. And also, Diddly, our music maker for the WWE Podcast on there as well. We're on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live show coming up, NXT TakeOver in June and also Stitch Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. That is it. Next episode, Domino 155 Part 2, Spring Stampede 1998. But until then, I have been James Rowlands and as always, I was joined by Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>